Ladies and gentlemen, this meeting will now come to order. At this time, the invocation will be given by Pastor Larry L. Cochran of Belmont United Methodist Church, followed by the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you this evening thanking you for your presence and your constant and great love for the people of this city. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you in the leadership roles we each play. We pray this night for wisdom and guidance in the decisions that will be made. And may we follow your leading so that the people of this city may know that you have been an integral part of the decision-making process. May you give us courage to make the difficult decisions that we know are the right decisions. May the work that is done here tonight help this city become the city that you intend it to be. Help us to listen well to each other. Bless us so that our words and our actions result in unity. It is in your precious name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Madam Clerk, please provide the Chamber Emergency Evacuation Announcements followed by Citizen Speakers Guidelines. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwells outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. Citizen Speakers Guidelines. Citizens wishing to speak during public hearings and or citizen comment periods have generally three minutes to speak. Persons appearing before council are not allowed to campaign for public office, promote private business ventures, use language of a personal nature which insults or demeans any person, including comments directed at public officials or staff members that are not related to their official duties or address or question staff members directly. All questions are to be directed to the president of council. Failure to adhere to the guidelines may result in speakers forfeiting any remaining time and further disciplinary actions as necessary, which could include barring from attendance at future meetings of City Council for a period of six months. Mr. President, for the record, all members of Council are in attendance this evening. Individuals standing in the rear of the chamber are asked to be seated where seats are available per Council's rules of procedure. Also, Council's Rules of Procedure stipulates that applause is only permitted during the awards and presentations portion of tonight's meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, are there appointments or reappointments for consideration this evening? Yes. Members, you were provided a copy of the board appointment recommendations from your standing committees for consideration this evening. Is there a motion to approve the appointments as recommended? Madam, uh, Madam Clerk. Uh, I move to uh, reappoint William Muse to the Capital Area Alcohol Safety Action Program Policy Advisory Board, Kevin uh, Butterfield to the Richmond Public Library Board, and appoint Martin Wegbright to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund Oversight Board, uh, and Nolan Blackwood to uh, the Richmond Regional Planning uh, uh, Commission, District Commission, and to refer uh, the Sister Cities Commission reappointment back to GovOps Standing Committee for reconsideration. 
Is there a second? Second. Council is voting on the board appointment recommendations as presented. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. And President Hilbert? Aye. Those appointments have been approved, and Mr. Squire's application will be referred to the May Governmental Operations Standing Committee meeting. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Let's move on to awards and presentations. Tonight's first recommendation being presented by the Honorable Chris Hilbert, 3rd District Council Representative and Council President, proclaims the month of May as Richmond Older Residents Month. Defined as those aged 55 and older, Richmond's older residents comprise nearly 25% of the city population and represent the foundation and core of our community. The wealth of knowledge, experience, and abilities possessed by Richmond's older residents is profound and critically important to the city's present and future success. As they help to drive the rejuvenation of our city, older residents are living longer, happier, healthier, and more productive lives than ever. In 2011, Richmond City Council officially proclaimed and established the month of May to be Richmond Older Residents Month, and in recognition of Richmond's residents age 55 and older, Richmond City Council re-proclaims the month of May each year to be Richmond Older Residents Month and thanks them for their important role in helping to make our city an even better place. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, Older residents uh, used to be known as senior citizens, but I think older residents are probably more appropriate. We try and gain that knowledge, and I count myself amongst this group of of citizens, not necessarily those that are wise, but we're trying our best. Uh, This is a, uh, as the clerk read, 25% of the population of our city, uh, folks that have worked very hard, Uh, all their lives to make our communities safe and to make them a better place to live. We're all standing on the shoulders of someone, and I believe that we are standing on the shoulders of our older residents. So, sir, if you want to go ahead, that'd be great. Thank you. Good evening, members of council. I am Charles Barker chairman of the city's the city of richmond aging and disability advisory board as well as the vice chair chairman of senior connection advisory board i proudly accept this this proclamation in recognition of may as the older americans month <clears throat> on behalf on behalf of the, the city's office of aging and persons with disability Senior Connections, and the Greater Age Wave Coalition, and the thousands of older adults in Richmond. Thank you you so much. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Madam Clerk. 
The next recognition being presented by the Honorable Chris Hilbert, 3rd District Council Representative and Council President, proclaims the seven days in May prior to Memorial Day weekend as Richmond Safe Boating Week. Boating for recreation, sport, and relaxation is a favorite pastime of many Richmond residents who look forward to getting out on the water with their families and friends. Each year, the number of water activities and enthusiasts grows, as does the amount and types of motorized and self-propelled watercrafts that are being used on the water. Boating safety is a critical and ever-present individual and shared responsibility that includes the active concern, action, and protection of each person. The U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary Flotilla 31 Richmond, Virginia Division 3 is a volunteer civilian organization that dutifully and faithfully serves the Richmond area in providing boating safety education classes and complimentary vessel safety checks throughout the year. In recognition of safe boating practices, education, and responsible watercraft usage, Richmond City Council re-proclaims the seven days in May prior to Memorial Day weekend each year to be Richmond Safe Boating Week and urges all Richmond boaters to take safe boating safety courses where life jackets have their boats checked for maintenance and safety equipment and practice safe boating. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, you know, during our daytime, our car can be one of the most dangerous places where we are uh, during the day, but uh, when you're on the water, boats are to be respected just as much as cars. You can't be joyriding, looking at uh, some other activity that happens to be going on if you've got a skier behind you. And first, excuse me, and foremost, uh, you shouldn't be under influence of any drugs or alcohol. Those are uh, a bad mix under any circumstances. So we want to thank you all for keeping us safe uh, in the event of an emergency. This is uh, certainly uh, an important thing, and we all love summer and getting out, but we also have to be careful uh, so that we can make it to the end of the summer and see the fall as well. So God bless, and thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. On behalf of the officers and staff and members of the Richmond Flotilla the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary, I want to thank the members of the council, the staff, the first responders in the community, and all of the citizens of Richmond in recognizing National Safe Boating Week. As was mentioned earlier, boating under the influence is definitely a huge component that should be avoided not only during National Safe Boating Week but during the entire year long. Additionally, one of the key tenets of National Safe Boating Week is the Wear It campaign for life jacket wearing. Recent Coast Guard statistics show that over 80% of boating incidents are deaths due to drowning. And of that 80%, 83 of them, the victim was not wearing a life jacket. So whether or not you are boating out on a personal watercraft, motorboat, or even just a canoe or kayak, wearing a life jacket is a key component to making sure that you stay safe while out on the water. We want to thank you for recognizing this proclamation and everything that you do to support safe boating in the Richmond area. Thank you.
The next recognition being presented by the Honorable Parker Agilesto, 5th District Council Representative, recognizes Richmond Department of Public Works Division of Transportation Engineering for its work on behalf of pedestrians, bicycles, and trails. As a direct demonstration of its support of and commitment to bicycling, Richmond established a coordinated effort within the Richmond Department of Public Works Division of Transportation Engineering that focuses on overseeing, leading, and impacting projects, policies, and funding related to pedestrians, bicycling, and trails in the city. Some additional examples of Richmond's commitment to bicycling include it being acclaimed for providing municipal bike racks and being one of the first cities in North America to install bike carriers on its public buses, and helping to further develop, shape, and plan bicycle-friendly infrastructure and amenities, Richmond has produced an active Richmond Bicycle Master Plan that provides a framework for current and future bicycling-focused efforts. In venerated support of bicycling during Richmond Bicycling Month, Richmond City Council recognizes, honors, and celebrates the Richmond Department of Public Works Division of Transportation Engineering for its work on behalf of pedestrians, bicycles, and trails, and thanks the division for helping to make our city an even better, safer, and healthier place. So this is the fourth year that we have celebrated May as a bike month, and the third week of May being Bike to Work Week. And it's something that I can recall uh, doing the Bike to Work Week here in Richmond with uh, Mayor Dwight Jones and really seeing what has happened from that time period four years ago to now what we have as our bike infrastructure. It really has been built out. And uh, I'd like to just commend the Department of Public Works for uh, pursuing these efforts, making bicycling uh, infrastructure more available throughout the city, regardless of what part of the city you live, and to making it a more safe city for cyclists. I'll just mention, you know, that some of the statistics show that women are less inclined to bike in urban environments than men are, and that's because they don't feel safe. But today in Richmond, you see a huge increase of women cyclists because we've put in this infrastructure. And I want to say that much of it is a vision for having the bike master plan to making Richmond really be that mid-tier city that is a place that people want to live and work, and part of that is making it accessible. The number of people who I talk to who say, I could not live where you have to have a 40-minute commute to work, and the number of people that I hear who say, in my bike commute is less than 15 minutes. That is a tremendous investment in the city. Um, We celebrate the Franklin Street recent completion of the cycle track, and we're looking forward to seeing the Sims Avenue completed very soon. And I just want to thank uh, Jake Humboldt and Bobby Vincent with Public Works for uh, making these efforts on behalf of the city, but more importantly, remind everybody citywide and in the region that we are a bike-friendly location, and we should all be celebrating this month and every day uh, what we have accomplished to become a bike-friendly location. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Tadjilasto. I want to thank uh, Jim Bolt for coming out to my last uh, district meeting and explaining uh, what's going on with with the Brook Road uh, bike lane. And certainly, um, I think we all just need to learn, excuse me, to work together. I know that it's hard sometimes, and you 
we all just need to be aware that a bicyclist is in that lane. I do see now um, along Brooklyn Parkway people actually blowing at people that are in honking at them uh, and saying get out of the bike lane. So I think people are becoming more accustomed to this and and look forward to uh, this progression and getting more bike lanes out there and making this happen. So I really appreciate your work. It isn't easy, and I'm sure that uh, a lot of communities may be resistant to it, but I appreciate your tenacity. Okay. All right, Mr. Himbold. Councilman Councilman Angelasto, honorable members of council, thank you very much. Um, on behalf of Public Works Traffic Engineering Division, I'm honored to receive this. Um, and I want to emphasize on behalf of them and our, our stakeholders, our colleagues here in City Hall, our staff in the field, our operations teams and maintenance teams, without all of them, this doesn't happen. I know at times it's been slow going. Um, people want to see things happen more quickly, but we're finally making a lot of uh, headway. Um, with the recent completion of the Franklin Project. I think that will be a bit of a game changer as well. We're starting to go beyond just nibbling at the edges. Um, again, some of those stakeholders, Bike Walk RVA, of course, being um, foremost amongst those working with the community, serving as some, something of our outreach and education arm at times. Uh, having that collaborative partnership has been crucial. Um, and also working with the Safe and Healthy Streets Commission of which Councilman Addison has been very engaged um, working on all of those issues to bring all the different players together. We're having good conversations with police to address some of those uh, different issues of enforcement and education for the community so that everyone knows uh, their rights, their responsibilities. So again, on behalf of all of those stakeholders, internal and external, thank you very much for this recognition. The next recognition being presented by the Honorable Kristen Larson, 4th District Council Representative, and the Honorable Reva Trammell, 8th District Council Representative, proclaims the third week of May each year as Richmond Emergency Medical Services Week. Access to quality emergency medical services saves lives by significantly increasing survival and recovery rates of those who experience sudden illness or injury. Richmond is proud of its emergency medical services professionals who provide life-saving care 24 hours a day seven days a week. Some of the many important people supporting the delivery of emergency medical services include administrative staff, paramedics, emergency medical technicians, firefighters, public information officers, emergency nurses and physicians, maintenance technicians, medical educators, and emergency communications operators. In recognition and support of the National Emergency Medical Services Week, Richmond City Council reproclaims the third full work week of, e of May each year as Richmond Emergency Medical Services Services Week in honor of all Richmond Emergency Medical Services professionals and staff and thanks them for helping to make our city an even better, safer, and healthier place. All right. Thank you all for all that you do. I know that uh, you get 911 calls and then folks uh, have to show up and the, the ambulance and the fire are all there. And uh, recently uh, I had to call them. And I appreciated the professionalism and the speed to which you uh, got me to the hospital. And I just can't thank you enough for that. And I know that uh, 
as I've said before, people are in a panic. Nobody calls 911 when everything's going okay. Uh, but you're to bring calm to that situation. And in my case, and I'm sure in every case, that you do that. So God bless you all for your good work. I, too, had to um, call 911 a few weeks ago. And I experienced something that was not good. But anyway, I want to thank 911. I want to thank the police and the fire and the rescue squad um, for all that you did that night for me. Um, you all do so much that a lot of people don't even realize what you all do. And as I say, if, if you were to call 911 and no one showed up, where would we be? It would be awful. So from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you to every employee and also to the employees that were not able to be here tonight because we know that they're out there doing their job, and we want them to also be recognized. And Chip and Chief Carter, thank you for all that you do. And I, the chief, I mean, police chief's not here tonight, but anyway, I want to thank him for all that he does too. And 911, Steve Willoughby is back in the back. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Um, yes, I wanted to thank you all, too, especially the folks who are out there driving the ambulance and the police cars and the fire trucks and the people who make it make it work on the ground every day. Um, I'm honored to be on the Richmond Ambulance Authority board, and I go to those meetings every other month, and they are fabulous. And I go to a lot of meetings, so <laughs> that says a lot. But... Um, Richmond Ambulance Authority has all these awards that I'm sure Chip will talk to us about, but I, I really appreciate the hard work of all of our first responders and um, the, the stats that you all have, and I know you're all constantly trying to improve your response time and, and listen to us and get feedback and, and try and tweak what you're doing, and I'm so grateful. Thank you. I forgot something, Chip. I want to um, let the chief, I want to thank him for inviting me to their big promotion that they got. They're number one in the whole country, number one. And our, that is something remarkable. So I'll let you speak and say a couple words, too. So uh, thank you, members of council. My name is Chip Decker. I'm the CEO of Richmond Amos Authority. And I stand before you representing the 300 men and women that make up the Amos Authority. They're in front of you here. They're the ones that do the, the hard work that allows me to, to come and do things like this. And so I'm very proud of the, of the work that they do. Um, 53,000 times last year, the Richmond Amos Authority responded to 911 calls from the uh, citizens of the city of Richmond. We are, um, per capita, one of the busiest in the United States. Um, a lot of the citizens of the city uh, use us uh, either frequently or, you know, they're loyal customers. And uh, the folks standing before you are the ones that uh, go out there and make sure that, that uh, they receive the care that they uh, need and that they also deserve. And without your support and your commitment to the Richmond Amherst Authority, uh, we couldn't do what we do. Um, and realizing that we are one leg of the, of the four for the public safety um, because the 911 
as uh, Ms. Trammell said, receives the call, and then the police really get in there and keep us safe uh, so we can get access to the patients that we need to get access and, and get back out. And the fire department, with their first response, is there to you know, lend us a helping hand when uh, things get uh, a little dicey. So um, once again, thank you for recognizing the third week of May as EMS week, and uh, I'll turn it over to you. Chief Carter. <laughs> Thank you, Chip. Council President and members of council, I am Melvin Carthy, your fire chief, and I would like to uh, wholeheartedly express the fire department's sincere gratitude for your outreach and support of, of us executing our mission every day. Um, we are a very proud fire department. Uh, we know our mission and we try very hard to execute it every day. Uh, we feel like we are part of the community as well as part of a much broader public safety community. And I'm sure that uh, Chief Willoughby, myself, uh, Chip Decker, as well as Chief Durham, uh, we all rest well at night knowing that we have very capable employees, uh, very capable leadership on the streets of Richmond, interacting, supporting, and uh, taking care of those citizens of Richmond and those persons that visit our city every day. And if I don't say it enough, I thank you, Council, for your support and your ongoing uh, participation in the many um, different initiatives that we have going forward. And uh, like I said, this uh, support for EMS Week is just one of those initiatives. So thank you very much. And as I pivot to speak briefly about our ISO rating, yes, we are one of 270 uh, fire EMS agencies in the uh, entire country to have that awesome distinction. It is truly an awesome uh, distinction for the city of Richmond. Uh, we believe that it helps with uh, attracting new businesses as well as uh, potential residents who would like to uh, move to a safe city, a fire-safe city, and an EMS-safe city. And so, again, we say thank you for that. And I would be truly remiss if I did not thank the men and women to my left. I don't think there are any women in the fire service over there to my left, but definitely the men to my left. And uh, they are just but a, a small portion of the more than 400 men and women that occupy what is called the Richmond Fire Department. And as their leader, I'm truly grateful for their contribution day in and day out. Thank you.
Oh, we, yeah, we're going right, right back there, right there. Right, right. Right. Mr. President, those are all of the awards and recommend recognition scheduled for this evening. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, please call the list of citizen comment period speakers. The first speaker is Chuck Richardson. Good evening, Honorable Council, uh, Mr. President, and my illustrious representative from the 5th District. I'm here tonight, not just on my own behalf, but I'm here to speak uh, representing a number of veterans that attend the Richmond uh, McGuire Veterans Hospital. A lot of good people over there, but there's some people who just have no regards for those who have served this country. Some are very good, a lot of them, but the few who disrespect, disregard, and show no deference to people who served this country need to be dealt with. I had a problem, and I've had many problems with the McGuire Hospital, so I'm here tonight to ask the council to consider a rule where you change your structure of your meetings. When I was on council, the mayor attended the meetings. I have a paper here, and the patron is Mayor Stoney. Who's to speak to his paper? I think he should be here to speak to his own paper. But the other point is, when I call a number of uh, veterans at McGuire Hospital said, Mr. Richard, you were on city council, you know the council members, you know the mayor, can you please help us? They don't respect us, they treat us any kind of way. I have put in 16 phone calls and three visits to the mayor's office. No response. He needs to be here to face his lack of accountability. When I was on council, we had a mayor that had to come to every meeting, and when a disgruntled citizen such as myself could not get his attention, he could at least come here and face him man to man. You need to change your city council rules. That we can see you all are the bosses. You the bosses. The mayor doesn't run anything without your five votes. Don't you understand the power you have? You decide. Don't let someone else take your powers away. Five votes of this council decide what happens to this city. And in my opinion, five votes and five hate. You have 30 seconds. Intelligent people are far more reliable than one egomaniac. I'm not trying to say anything about the mayor, but you know, I'm just using an example. One person's decision can never be as reliable as five intelligent people. I think in order to help us, when someone calls or says, let's see if we can get some help, call the mayor. If he doesn't respond, he needs to be here. He needs to be here. Please, if you could consider changing the rule of council, swear that we go back. Because when we voted for mayor at large, we did it to get greater accountability. The mayor was here. Since we voted, 
There is no accountability because he doesn't have to attend. He doesn't have to show. Change the rule. It's in your hands. You have the power. Re- Thank you, Mr. Some Richardson. kind of way so that the mayor will have to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Clark. The next speaker is Charles Johnson. Good evening. I'd like to thank Reba Turmel. I'd like to thank Reba Turmel. Hold it. Okay, this way. Uh, Bobby Benson and the police department, and also Kimberly Martin from Code Enforcement for the work that they're doing in Blackwell area. Uh, but due to the excessive heat, we're having a excessive uh, crime rate. So I'd like to see more police in that area. But again, I'd like to thank them all for the work that they're doing so far in Blackwell. But from Chicago Avenue, from 17th in Chicago to Jefferson Davis, we're having a high crime rate there. And we'd like to see more police officers. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you, uh, Mr. Johnson. Madam Clerk. The next speaker is Bishop G.A. Robinson, Jr., The next speaker is Carl Otto. Good evening, Mr. President, Madam President, and Vice President, and members of council. My name is Carl Otto, and I am a longtime resident in the city's 7th district. I want to thank you for the opportunity to come and talk to you tonight about my neighborhood. The topic I gave them was rockets. If you don't know what rockets is, that's why I'm here. Rockets has known by many names. It started out probably in the English vernacular when Captain John Smith visited in 1609. It was not a part of the city when the city was founded in 1787, so it predates the city by 170 years. It is not a, uh, as a seaport town, it was a working class neighborhood from the get go. It it was uh, served really from the ocean side by four masted sailing vessels that hauled up the river by mules. Some of the evidence for that is still there. And on the other end, it was served from the west by bateaus in the canal that George Washington designed, but it was never finished, supposed to go to Ohio. In the 1960s, Fulton had become a slum. There's no other word to describe it. I've seen pictures. And the city elected, along with HUD, to demolish Fulton, and they did. 900 houses, five churches, one school, all the businesses, Wall-to-wall and end-to-end was demolished. That was 1970s. Part of the redevelopment was to realign and rebuild Williamsburg Avenue. It became a four-lane divided road. It's a great road. And Stony Run Road was added. 
The business that I owned, and I own it today, was one of those that was displaced by the redevelopment. That was in January of 1975. They were very anxious to tear down my building, and they succeeded, of course. The premise of this whole redevelopment effort, which was popular at the time, was that the area east of Waynesburg Avenue would be residential, all new, not in the floodplain, and that the area west between Williamsburg Avenue and the river would be industrial. And the industrial aspect would provide jobs for the residents which were already displaced. There were no residents in Fulton at that point. They were gone. And the development in the industrial area has really been slow. You have 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> when I retired from the Navy in 79, Fulton was a work in progress. And recently, the Economic Development Office has managed to find an investment partner in Fulton, and we support that. The community has met with them, they've worked with them, and we would like for you as a group to support the Office of the Economic Development to see that this project is completed to its fulfillment. Thank you. Thank you, sir. The next speaker is Ashley Kistler. Thank you. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I serve as vice chair of the Public Art Commission and am here to talk to you today on behalf of the PAC. I've worked with contemporary art and artists for nearly 40 years in Richmond and have collaborated with the vast majority of cultural organizations and educational institutions in the region. Through this wide range of projects, I've learned firsthand how public art uniquely serves as a gateway into people's lives. It is one of the most tangible ways the story of a city can be told. And as I think we all know, this is a critical time for support of public art in terms of both Richmond's hard-won and ongoing creative transformation and the complex national conversation about public art for which Monument Avenue has become something of an epicenter. As the PAC has developed a new public art master plan for the city, we are absorbing various lessons in this process. It's evident that we need to do a better job educating Richmond leadership about public art, the value of creative placemaking, and how the PAC can contribute productively to the national profile of our city as an exciting cultural destination. In the future, we will strive to communicate more consistently and to work more collaboratively with City Council and the Planning Commission to develop a strategy for reaching all Richmond neighborhoods. We hope you will help us in creating opportunities for open dialogue. Most crucial at this particular moment, we ask your help in making sure The Public Art Master Plan moves through administrative review without further delay. Commissioned by the City in 2014, the completed document has been available for review since September 2017. It is a forward-looking, comprehensive, best practices plan that reflects input from hundreds of Richmonders who took the time and energy to attend multiple public meetings over two years. Among the key policy recommendations for building a stronger citywide public art program capable of capturing 
Richmond's creative potential. The plan provides the means through which have 30 seconds can apply for public art support from foundation and federal sources to match city CIP funds. These are not small grants. They range up to the Bloomberg Public Art Grants of $1 million, which, of course, is a huge public relation and tourism boon for recipients. As we pursue the expanded opportunities made possible by this new master plan, it's essential that the city be seen as a significant, unequivocal stakeholder in cultural development funding. Otherwise, our future proposals simply can't compete with those from other cities with a consistent record of strong municipal public art support. The two must go hand in hand. Thank you, Ms. And at this point in our evolution as a creative capital, Richmond should be primed to receive one of these major awards. Thanks for your attention. Thank you. Yes, Ms. Gray. Um, I was just wondering where I can obtain a copy of the master plan and when it's slated to come before the planning commission. Um, we've been, of course, um, I would be happy to send you uh, another copy of that plan. And we have been trying to um, speed along the process of having the plan approved by the Planning Commission and then come to you. Is it on the city's website? It is. It is. Okay. Yes, So anyone in the public can view that? That's correct. Okay. And you're waiting for the administrative process before it moves forward? That's right. And how long have you been waiting? Uh, well, we've been waiting since September of 2017. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. Mr. President, that concludes the list of citizen comment speakers for this evening. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Let's move on to review amendments to tonight's agenda. Mr. President, the amendments to tonight's agenda are as follows. Item number one, ordinance number 2017-242, will be continued to the Monday, June 11th council meeting. Item number two, ordinance number 2018-044, will be continued to the Tuesday, May 29th council meeting. Item number three through item number 10, ordinance number 2018-118 through ordinance number 2018-125, all will be continued to the Tuesday, May 29th council meeting. Item number 11, ordinance number 2018-127 will be amended later this evening and then continued to the Tuesday, May 29th council meeting. Item number 17, ordinance number 2018-101, will be continued to the Tuesday, May 29th council meeting. Item number 18, ordinance number 2018-110, will be continued to the Tuesday, May 29th council meeting. And item number 19, ordinance number 2018-126, will also be continued to the Tuesday, May 29th council meeting. Mr. President, those are all the amendments to tonight's agenda. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll now have a public hearing on uh, these consent agenda items. Mr. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there a motion to accept the agenda as amended? So moved. Thank you. Second. Second. All right. We're going to have it. Thank you. Council now is, is now voting on the amended agenda as presented. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Algelasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. And President Hilbert? Aye. The amended agenda is before you.
Thank you. Madam Clerk, please provide a review of the items on tonight's consent agenda. The consent agenda consists of the following items. Item number 12, ordinance number 2018-128. Item number 13, ordinance number 2018-129. Item number 14, ordinance number 2018-130. Item number 15, ordinance number 2018-131. And item number 16, resolution number 2018-R035. Those are all the items on tonight's consent agenda. Thank you. We'll now have a public hearing on the consent agenda items. Are there persons who wish to speak in opposition uh, to any of the items on the consent agenda? Seeing none, are there persons who wish to speak in favor of any items on the consent agenda? Seeing none, bring it back to council for discussion. Madam Clerk, please call the question. Council is now voting on the consent agenda. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. And President Hilbert? Aye. Those papers have been adopted. Thank you. Madam Clerk, are there items on tonight's regular agenda? Yes. The first regular agenda item is item 20, resolution 2017-R092, to establish a policy of the council that the council will appoint a current city retiree to the board of trustees of the Richmond Retirement System to fill one of the three appointments not required to be a member of the classified service. That paper is before council. Okay. Does the uh, patron of the paper have... uh any comments? No, sir. Uh, Ms. Robertson? No. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, pardon me. Uh, is there any, I'm going to open up the public hearing now. Is there any uh, uh, member of the public would you like to speak in opposition to this item? Okay, seeing none, are there persons who wish to speak in favor of this paper? Seeing none, the public hearing is now closed. I'm sorry, please come forward if you want to speak on the paper. Uh, not sure. Okay. Here we go. Thank you, sir. I didn't uh, see you back there, uh, but uh, thank you for coming. I'm old. It takes a long time to walk all the way. <laughs> Number one, I want to thank council for bringing this issue up. Uh, all of us retired city employees, we'd like to try to get someone on the retirement board so we feel like we're a part of what's going on with that. The second thing, at the beginning of our discussion this year, uh, on the COLA issue, and that's what we're here for. There was talk of putting some found money into the system, and I sure hope if that money is still around that y'all might be able to put it in there because we do need some help. And the third thing I want to say, there's been talk about doing a study on the Richmond Retirement System. Please allow, if y'all decide to do a talk on it, please allow at least someone 
that has retired, that has been before y'all, not me, but somebody to be on that committee. That's all I ask. We would love to get some more money. We have not had a COLA in years. Okay, thank you. Sir, could you please state your name for the record? William Schumann. S-H-U-M-A-N. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to speak in favor of this paper? Public hearing is now closed. Bring it back to council for discussion. Madam Clerk, please call the question. Council is voting on item 20, resolution 2017-R092 as read. Mr. Jones. Aye. Ms. Robertson. Aye. Ms. Larson. Aye. Mr. Agilasto. Aye. Ms. Gray. Aye. Ms. Trammell. Aye. Mr. Addison. Vice President Newbill. Aye. President Hilbert. Aye. That paper has been adopted. Thank you, Madam Clerk. If you move on to the next paper, please. The next regular agenda item is item 21, resolution 2018-R034, to declare a public necessity to amend the zoning ordinance and to initiate an amendment to the city's zoning ordinance to rezone certain properties located in the West Cary Street area from the B3 General Business District to the UB2 Urban Business District and the B6 Mixed Use Business District. That paper is before you. Thank you. With the patron of the paper, uh Care to give any opening remarks? Uh, yes, sir. Thank you, Council President. As I mentioned uh, before the Land Use Committee, as well as during our informal committee uh, meeting earlier tonight, uh, this proposal is a resolution. Um, it is to seek the rezoning, but it is not the ordinances to rezone, but it is to seek such. And it's following through on original recommendations to rezone the same properties uh, located on West Cary Street. Um, near and around Belvedere and up to Laurel uh, Pine Street area. The original recommendation to rezone uh, was made in 2008 after the current master plan was adopted and at the time it was withdrawn and it's been uh, a priority for the community uh, surrounding these blocks to pursue the rezoning ever since. In 2013, Council adopted a, a resolution to study the B3 zoning district citywide. And since then, we have conducted several rezonings of areas, including Brooklyn Park Boulevard and portions of Hull Street. Um, the city staff have yet to get to the rezoning recommendations for this stretch, and yet it is uh, a high priority for the surrounding community. We are undertaking the master plan update at the moment, but it will not be until perhaps 2020 until we see some modifications to the zoning category in this area, which is uh, why this resolution is coming before you now, is to make good on earlier conversations that have been going on for a decade. And I would appreciate your support in moving this resolution forward. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Agilasto. We'll now have a public hearing on this paper. Are there persons who wish to speak in opposition to this paper? If there are any other individuals who want to speak uh, in opposition to the paper, if you'd come closer to the microphone, uh, we'd appreciate that. Thank you. Please go ahead. 
Thank you, Mr. President, members of council. I'm Jennifer Mullen with Roth Jackson. I'm here on behalf of the owner of 12 parcels that are part of the subject of this resolution to initiate a downzoning. These are the 12 parcels that contain the only vacant land of the 29 parcels which are included in the resolution. Three of those parcels are VCU. 20 of the remaining parcels object to this downzoning again. The downzoning is contrary to public policy and sets a bad precedent. As stated at the informal session, this resolution is to get rid of the B3 district for a more urban form. But the proposed development that sparked this resolution is urban in form. The buildings are brought to the street. The parking is to the rear and wrapped by, build, wrapped by buildings. Some residential units have direct access to the street. The commercial use is located on Cary Street that provides ground floor retail, creating activity and transparency to the pedestrian environment. This downzoning is an attempt to slow the development. It has adverse financial impacts and requires additional parking, where recent zoning amendments have reduced parking requirement to encourage development. The rezoning does not create a city old and historic district to require commission of architectural review for demolition or design of developments. It does not reduce the height or mass of the building. As shown here, this box that's grayed out represents what the form of UB2 would be. The building behind it is the proposed, develop proposed development. Interestingly, in 2009, the UB2 district was created to reflect the urban form environment and it is more form-based and had a primary goal to create more by-right development and reduce the requirement for special use permits and special exceptions by the Board of Zoning Appeals because of the nonconformities. But here, you're being asked to apply it to create or increase nonconformities. This is a bad public policy and it discouraged economic development and reinvestment within the area being downzoned. We respectfully request you vote against the resolution. Thank you, Ms. Mullen. Hi, my name is Larry Clough. I've been a resident of Richmond for more than 30 years. Uh, this issue of spot rezoning is against mor morally, ethically, and legally it's not proper. The developers properly got a zoning confirmation letter before purchasing this property. It's no big mystery. It was only after the fact uh, that, that uh, all of a sudden it became a problem. And it's not a problem. This is proper. It's by right. There's parking. There's the proper setbacks. And this is the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is to vote against this particular paper. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mr. President, members of council, my name is Preston Lloyd. I'm an attorney with Williams Mullen, and I represent six property owners that would be affected by the proposed resolution. Those include uh, addresses at 108 South Belvedere, 601 and 605 West Cary Street, 611 and 617 West Cary Street, 703 West Cary, 712 West Cary, and 717 West Cary. And I speak for all of those property owners 
in asking this council to please uh, take some time to reconsider the approach that's being proposed by the patron of this paper. Specifically, if one reexamines the staff reports and the paperwork that was submitted in connection with the rezoning request in 2007 that created B3 within this area, you would see that one of the proposed purposes was to eliminate an irregular mix of zoning within this area that included R53, R02, B3, R7, R63, and B6. And the purpose of that was to create more consistency in order to allow a more orderly redevelopment of this area of the city. And since that time, there have been uh, complaints made by uh, neighborhoods adjacent to but not within this proposed area. And the the complaints seem to center on specific properties and fears that uh, properties that are proposed for redevelopment are being done so in a way that they find to not be in conformance with what they would like to see happen. The advantage that the city has at this moment in time is that it's currently doing exactly that conversation. It's trying to figure out what is the appropriate use for develop or the appropriate course for development to take in the city. And the city has invested considerable resources in that effort uh, in the form of the Richmond 300 uh, Advisory Council and plan, which will eventually come before this body. The master plan is important because, as was referenced in the staff report and materials, again, in 2007 when the B3 was adopted for this area, because it attempted to incentivize conformance with the kind of development patterns that the city wanted to see occur in this area. And by doing so, it allowed increased density in certain cases while also trying to require better street front retail and other aspects of development that, uh, at that time, the, the Planning Commission and ultimately Council agreed would be appropriate for this area. Here, by reducing the density that's allowed by right, it would, in fact, take away that incentive so that future development would... You have 30 seconds. Thank you. ...would be required to... Uh, would no longer have the incentive to redevelop in order to meet those uh, requirements. And so what's currently happening is uh, a proposal that would eliminate the incentive, the carrot that Council has created in order to try and induce conformance with some of those best practices. So uh, on behalf of those property owners, we do oppose the, the proposed resolution and any, according, uh, any downzoning that Council may consider in the future uh, and respectfully ask that you not approve this paper. Thank you. Thank you. Markham, how are you this evening? Good evening, uh, President Hilbert and members of council. My name is Lori Markham, and I'm a former former planning um, department employee, and I'm here uh, on behalf of the developer who is, has a project before the planning department um, in the 800 block of West Cary Street. Um, and so as a, a former planning um, department member, I worked on the uh, two efforts to rezone this portion of Cary Street um, previously, both of which were withdrawn uh, because of opposition from the uh, property owners as well as um, the recognition that rezoning this area from B3 to UB2 would make a substantial number of the properties non-conforming, which is not a best practice um, and would hurt those property owners financially. Um, so. When those papers were withdrawn, it was decided that a better focus of um, city resources would be to go after other areas of the city that were zoned B3, which is um, more of a suburban 
uh, district that allows suburban development but does not necessarily require suburban development. Uh, it does allow for urban development as is proposed in the 800 um, block of West Cary. Uh, and those areas would include Monroe Ward, where there are many more uh, developable parcels. So there's a, there's a huge swath of B3 zoning in Monroe Ward. Um, and so at, at those times, it was thought that a better, re- better um, use of city resources would be to go after those areas like B3 or sections of Broad Street um, downtown that are zoned B3. Um, and if, the, if another question that... Um, you should ask yourself is what is the purpose of the rezoning? Is it to um, reduce the height? Because that's not, it will not necessarily reduce the height um, permitted. So the UB2 allows uh, three stories, but there's no height limit on the ground floor of that, those three stories. Um, and those two, two stories above the ground floor would allow for um, up to 14 feet of height. So there's, um, here's an image of what could be built under the UB2, which is, which is no less large than what could be built under the B3. Um, and this is an image showing the current proposal in the 800 block, which uh, it seems to be the subject of this downzoning compared to what, be, seconds. Uh, what could be built under the uh, proposed UB2. And you can see there's no difference in, in the height or even the density necessarily. Um, so we would respectfully request that you... Um, deny this resolution uh, and and focus the zoning efforts on other areas of the city that would have uh, more of an impact. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other persons who wish to speak in opposition to this paper? Seeing none, are there persons who wish to speak in favor of this paper? Go ahead, sir. Good morning, or good evening, I'm sorry. Um, good evening, President Hilbert, Vice President Newbill, uh, and honorable council members. My name is William McCormick, and I'm vice president of the Oregon Hill Neighborhood Association. Uh, our president, Todd Woodson, is unable to attend this evening's meeting and has asked that I read a short statement in his behalf. I've been an officer of the Oregon Hill Neighborhood Association since its inception in 2001. During that 17-year period, we have discussed the West Cary Street Business Corridor with three different planning directors, Mark Stickler, Rachel Flynn, and Mark Olinger, and all agreed that the B3 is appropriate and it should be changed. In 2008, the Neighborhood Association endorsed the Urban Business 2, or UB2, for short, which would fit our neighborhood's needs perfectly. As a matter of course, we endorsed UB2 in 2017 when I personally requested Mr. Olinger reinitiate the process. This is something we have needed for decades but keeps falling through the cracks. Our neighborhood association, representing the residents of Oregon Hill, respectively, respectively requests the support of the resolution to appropriately rezone this corridor. We are most grateful for our councilperson, Parker Agalasto, um, for his help on this measure. Thank you. Todd Woodson. Thank you. 
Uh, Mr. President and honorable council persons, my name is Charles Poole. I'd like to speak in strong support of Parker Agilosto's resolution. Uh, Oregon Hill has been one of the neighborhoods that have powered the renaissance of this city and its appropriate zoning, which makes this possible. Uh, we have tried since 2008 to get the UB zoning for the Cary Street Corridor. Uh, I would like to counter some of the misinformation that was just given. Uh, according to the information we're just given, uh, the height limit of the UB2 is the same as a B3. That is certainly not the case. The height limit on B3 is 60 feet, and uh, the height limit on UB2 is three stories. Unless you're having, uh, you know, 20-foot stories, uh, that, that is a ridiculous proposition. Uh, this has become much, much more serious because the zoning administrator has just removed with the stroke of the pen all the transitional sites on the 37 minor arteries of the city, including Cary Street. A transitional site in the B3 would limit the height to 35 feet, but since the uh, zoning administrators put this out the window, that makes this all the more important that we pass this resolution today. Uh, we are appealing that the zoning administrator's ruling on June 6, and uh, but in the meantime, we need your support for uh, this resolution for appropriate zoning for the Oregon Hill neighborhood. Thank you very much. Good evening. My name is Scott Berger. Um, citizen, I'm a citizen of the city of Richmond. I'm the former president of the Oregon Hill Neighborhood Association. I urge you to strongly support uh, Councilperson Agilesto's resolution. Um, as previous speakers have said, this goes way back. Um, I think it was actually way back to 2002, really. But I know for a fact that the Neighborhood Association has voted at least three or four times in favor of this. And it, it, it really disturbs me to have to come up here again and say, look out for the neighbors, look out for the residents of, this, of our city. Um, I'm very disturbed by what I'm, the misinformation I'm hearing from the lawyers and developers here. We are the citizens of the city. We've been asking for this for over a decade. It's time to act. And, you know, what, what Mr. Poole said also is true. And I think you all should keep this in mind. This is something that's not going to affect just us. It's going to affect the whole city. And it's time to look out for the citizens. It's time to look out for the residents. Um, <clears throat> this matter has been, been flummoxed. It's been argued. It's been buried in bureaucracy. And it's time to stop. It's time for this city to move forward and keep it from being turned into a Northern Virginia nightmare. And it's up to you all. Thank you. Honorable Councilpersons, my name is Barbara A. Carter, and I'm a resident of Oregon Hill. The opposite to this, excuse me, the opposition to this resolution alleged at the Land Use Committee meeting was that this Cary Street rezoning would be spot zoning. This is certainly not the case. There are over 40 properties on Cary Street within the current inappropriate B3 zoning. The 1817 Jacob House, owned by the Oregon Hill Home Improvement Council, is within the area that should be rezoned to UB2 zoning. The Jacob House is the anti-slavery landmark of Richmond, built by the free black apprentices of a Quaker abolitionist. Please protect the sensitive historic Cary Street corridor 
by approving this resolution to finally obtain appropriate zoning of the UB2. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, honorable members of City Council. Um, my name is Caroline Cox, and I'm an almost lifetime um, citizen of Richmond. And I'm a 22-year resident of Oregon Hill. Um, and I support this rezoning. Um, we were asked by one of our opposition, why should we have this type of zoning? And my answer to you with that is that it falls in line with the master plan, which is actually supported by residents from all over the city and worked on for years and years and years. Um, it's something that is frequently ignored. And I'm going to ask you to, to not ignore it this evening. Um, UB2 zoning will conform to the downtown master plan, and I will quote from the downtown master plan, infill buildings that create a continuous street frontage and respect the character of the neighborhood with similar massing and with architectural elements, neighborhood preservation efforts should be continued. We've worked for years to obtain compatible zoning for this district. Please respect the Oregon Hill Historic District. Please support this resolution so that we can finally, finally get something that the citizens of Richmond have been asking you for. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Mr. President, members of council. My name is Lynn Ivey. I live at 729 South Pine Street. I'm president of the Overlook Unit Owners Association, which is the condo development that's on the south side of Oregon Hill. We have about 72 units. Our board discussed what was going on um, in the context of uh, Councilman Agalesto's resolution, we fully support the position of the Oregon Hill Neighborhood Association, and we urge you to support this resolution. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Claire Chute. I'm a resident of Oregon Hill of over 10 years. I was born at MCV, and uh, the house that I was brought home to was in Oregon Hill, and now it's a ugly development. Um, I strongly am in support of rezoning. Everybody has asked or has stated why um, this is important. Uh, the city consistently coddles developers over communities um, and ignores those needs, and I'm really tired of seeing it. It's really disgusting, and some of the buildings that are up around Monroe Park and Monroe Ward that were like championed are hideous. I don't know if you've seen the, the plan for, for what's supposed to to replace this pharmacy, but uh, if I worked at the architecture firm, I would be embarrassed. Um, I just want to ask that folks that didn't get a chance to speak that are in favor of this paper stand up uh, so that city council can see how much support it is. And I also want to point out that everyone that spoke um, against it was paid. Hi, good evening. Good evening. Vice President of Council and members of Council. Uh, my name is Bernice Travers, and I'm looking at item number 21 here on the um, agenda. And I'm a little confused because I came here to voice my opposition to item number um, 18. And what happened? It, it was you, taken off the agenda. Huh? It was taken off the agenda. There was an amendment. We're going to finish this item, and then we can 
I need to discuss I, with council members, but right, yes, you could. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, good evening, council. Good evening. My name is Omar L. Qaddafi. I came to speak in support of uh, this resolution. Uh, I didn't come down here um, even knowledgeable of this resolution, uh, but I was inspired by residents coming down here to voice their concerns about it. And a lot of times we see that when residents come down here, we do have the corporate interests on one side and we will have a slew of residents um, and their their desires are often ignored. Uh, so I, I think it took a lot of, uh, you know, energy and effort for them to come down here. And as they've said, they've been dealing with this issue for about a decade. Um, some of the comments that were in opposition to it uh, referenced uh, the process of the master plan, the engagement that goes on there. And I'm just from my uh observations of the current engagement going around at the Richmond 300. Um, I, I'm kind of doubtful of the authenticity and the comprehensiveness of the previous master plan and if the Oregon Hill residents had much involvement in that. Um, you know, we don't have an issue with special use permits being issued all throughout the city um, when it causes nonconformity in other neighborhoods, you know, particularly in Church Hill and things like that. We don't mind the nonconformity uh, of, of the new developments when it caters to uh, gentrification efforts in other parts of the city. So I think that the residents coming down here and, you know, lobbying uh, Mr. Agalasto to, to get this paper on the floor kind of says a lot um, about their efforts and their willingness to preserve their neighborhood. Um, you know, if we're always going to go by just what the master plan says, then that kind of doesn't leave any recourse for citizens and residents of other areas to uh, protect their communities, even if they weren't involved with the engagement of the master plan or the development of it itself. So I just think that we should... Um, just uh, acknowledge that these residents came forward and that they've been dealing with this issue for a while. I have 30 seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Are there uh, any others that wish to speak in favor of this item? Seeing none, the public hearing is now closed, bringing it back to council for discussion. Uh, yes, Ms. Gray. Um, while I'm really um, sympathetic and I've dealt with similar issues within the district on um, these zoning issues, I think that a plan from 2010 or 2008, 10 years ago, um, may not be the, I don't know enough about it, but I think that what I could support is an accelerated um, master planning process like the Pulse Corridor underwent um, that updates the use of those of that area. Um, I understand that demolition has begun on um, some properties that have been in serious controversy. I don't think that this is getting to um, the solution that's 
wanted by the community. I think that a very um, accelerated but deliberate public process on what the proper zoning should be. Um, I think a lot has happened um, within, I mean, I participated in the downtown master planning process in 2007 and 8, and um, we've changed that since since then in the areas along the Pulse Corridor. So I think that um, review is warranted and um, an examination of all the land use policies around the area. But um, to wholesalely accept what was determined to be the proper zoning in 2008, I think is um, it's hard for me to support. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Are there any other comments from council members? Um, Ms. Larson. Um, I, too, have a lot of heartburn over this, and I appreciate the residents coming down and advocating and reaching out to us, um, but I think from, from what I hear about this, this resolution, which would then trigger an ordinance that would come forward. Um, I know this has been discussed over the last decade, but it's tied up in this in this one project that triggered the rezone. And I have a lot of concerns about that, that this one building inspired this to come forward. So I, I see your reaction over there. But that, that's how I feel after listening to the comments, after researching this for several weeks, is that that building has inspired all of this. And it, it gives me a lot of angst to support a reason that is coming out of that. Um, I'm open to, to other avenues we can pursue to be responsive to the residents, but I don't think this is the right thing right now. Thank you. Any other comments uh, from council members? Mr. Agilasto. Thank you, council president. So um, the wheels of government, we all know, churn slowly. The wheels of Richmond city government churn exceptionally slowly. And if there's one of you all on council who sees projects expedited, then kudos to you. But in 2013, within months of my getting on to city council, I introduced a resolution to study B3, not just here, but throughout the entire city, because it was deemed to be an inappropriate zoning category. Study came back to us in 2015. Now, mind you, this predates four new council people, so you don't know how long I've been working at this. We expect, council expects, that the city administration act on the uh, request that we submit of them. We know that there are dozens, if not hundreds, of resolutions that we pass and never come to anything. But we've become complacent and satisfied with the response time or just the, the disregard for the governing body's wishes. 
Much of that was under the former administration. Mind you, we've had several different uh, CAOs since 2013. Mark Olinger uh, could testify to counsel tonight on my insistence of the rezoning for five years. It is not because one project has come before us. It is because one more project has come before us and we have yet to act. And so it's my frustration for the failure of this city to respect what its citizens have asked for and to either turn a deaf ear or to act like they're less important. I don't know what it is, but I do know that as representing the 5th District, I'm going to fight for my constituents, and I'm going to call it out when I see it inappropriate. Because to say that the UB2 is inappropriate for B3 zoning here, well, our 2013 study that we asked the city, they have come back to rezone B3 on Meadow Bridge Road to UB2. They came back to rezone East Brooklyn Park Boulevard from B3 to UB2. They came back on 2nd Avenue to rezone B3 to UB2. Dill Avenue from B3 to UB2. So it's not inappropriate. It's what they have been doing throughout the city in neighborhoods where we have major arterial roads and we're trying to protect the community fabric from having inappropriate development. B3. B3 has been amended since 2013. We changed it. We changed it to try to encourage better development projects. Currently, many of the projects that are in this corridor of 54 properties, which certainly I would never consider spot zoning of 54 properties, maybe one property such as a special use permit, but 54 properties, a lot of these... Yes, they're non-conforming even in the B3 zoning regs as they are written today because they have zero commercial use on their ground floor. It's called business three. It's not called residential. It's called business, and it has to have some commercial component, and yet many of these don't have any commercial component to them whatsoever. We're talking about a block from VCU without a darn storefront. They're not pedestrian-friendly. They don't even have an entrance on Cary Street. In fact, they have curb cuts for double-wide entrances into parking garages that are on the first level. How is that pedestrian-friendly? That's what B3 does. That's suburban-style development, and it's inappropriate in this area. I will say one thing, um, because I do... I do have a problem with some of the comments that were made about downzoning. People are going to use language to suit their needs. Did the, did the people who say downzoning really mean downzoning? Out of 54 properties in here, there are 10 that are recommended to go from B3 to B6. Is that downzoning? I never heard going from B3 to B6 being downzoning. Hello? So 
if I'm mistaken, maybe the people who spoke against it don't really fully understand and appreciate what the paper is trying to accomplish here. Many of the B6 recommendations are actually to make the properties compliant, amazingly. But uh, I will say, and if, if I need to produce the written record to convince my colleagues that we have been working on this for five years, I will produce every email and every request and every agenda that I have had with the CAO talking about this, if that is what it takes to convince you that this is not because of one property, one development. It's because of inaction, and it is because of impatience wearing thin with this person who has an obligation to the constituents who elected him in representing their interests before this body. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Agilesto. Is there any other further comment? Um, I uh, appreciate what the neighborhood is, is trying to do. Lord knows Ms. Gray and I uh, had a situation where a, uh, an amend, or excuse me, a zoning morphed its way uh, into a lawsuit which the citizens brought forward in my neighborhood, but yet we're we're stuck with what I think and what everyone who knows anything about multifamily housing think is going to be a complete disaster. Uh, but that being said, uh, I don't want to give any false hope of voting for this and then uh, saying that we're going to end up writing a, a check at the end of the day, which I'm sure we would be in this particular case. And so, therefore, uh, I'm not going to be able to support this item. Uh, Madam Clerk, if you'd please call a question. Council is voting on item 21, resolution 2018-R034 as read. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? No. Ms. Larson? No. Mr. Agilesto? Aye. Ms. Gray? No. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? No. Vice President Newbill? No. President Hilbert? No. That paper has not been adopted. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Here, I'm going to ask that we uh, suspend the rules for one moment. We did have uh, individuals like Ms. Travers that had uh, come down to speak to item number 18, and then it was removed from the agenda. What I'd like to do is go back to the public comment period uh, and allow these individuals to speak since this item is not on the regular agenda. Is there any objection to that uh, from council members? See, we want to, because we had taken an item off the agenda, and I'm going to say that this is highly unusual, uh, and I don't want this to happen again, uh, but we did not get the word out, and so uh, I want to give people the opportunity to speak. People that would like to speak to item number 18 that was uh, uh, dropped from the agenda, if you'll please come forward, state your name, uh, and you have two minutes. Yes. Oh, you cut. I'm, I don't know how many folks there are uh, to speak to this item. If okay. Okay. Uh, so again, go ahead, Ms. Travers. Thank you, Mr. President, and good evening, Vice President of Council and members of Council. 
my name is Bernice Travers, and I'm here to express my opposition to you all eliminating the residency requirement. Um, I, I believe that you should have employees here that if you train and create a staff development program here, that you can find employees right here in the city of Richmond who will be capable of occupying some of these positions. Uh, in the past, you have not had that much success uh, hiring people out of town or outside the city of Richmond, because I know you've had at least a couple of CAOs. You had uh, uh, economic development directors, uh, procurement directors, uh, minority business office, di office directors, and I can go on and on. And those people financed employees, and they were disastrous. They didn't get anything done. They did not live in the city. It doesn't mean that you can't find good qualified people in the city to hold these positions. What it means is that you need a human resources department that knows how to find good people, who knows how to train and uh, get employees ready to elevate them into jobs. You have employees who have been here 5, 10, 15 years. They should be motivated to move forward. Now, what you're getting ready to do when you start hiring people from the counties, you're getting ready to... You have 30 some, seconds. Huh? My time is up? Oh, you're getting ready to create low morale among your employees when you start talking about going outside the city to hire people. And last week when I was here, I heard one of your employees say, Henrico County, Hanover County, and Chesterfield County is getting rid of that residence requirement because they can't find good people. So where are you going to get yours? Henrico County, Hanover County? No, you cannot. So you got to come up with some other way in your human resource development uh, department need to find a way to find good people in the city of Richmond, get them trained, and my child, my grandchildren would like to work for the city. If my taxpaying dollars are going into paying employees, why take my taxpaying dollars and go out into the city, out into the counties and live? I'm opposed to this, and I think um, a number of other people need to come down and, and express their opposition. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Ms. Travers. My name is Claire. I just spoke. Uh, I want to thank Parker for always being on our side, and the rest of you need to find some courage. Um, I'm strongly against this. It's absurd notion to think that they can uh, live and um, get all get all of the positives of living outside of the city. Their kids don't have to go to RPS, which is a failure. They don't have to drive on roads that are failing infrastructure. Uh, they just get to reap the benefits of our tax dollars paying their salaries, and then they go pay taxes in the counties. Uh, it's completely offensive, and I'm strongly against it. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, good evening. My name is Omar El Qaddafi, and I'm also speaking in opposition to this uh, ordinance. Um, I appreciate a lot of the comments of Ms. Travers. She is uh, absolutely correct. I also find it offensive that we would settle for our inability to produce world-class citizens from our uh, city. It's almost as though we're giving in to lower expectations in the city. And, you know, we've been the social justice community of Richmond has been pushing an agenda of inclusion of the community for the past two and a half years. And 
this just seems like a dial back of those efforts. Um, it's for us to say that people from outside the city, who, you, you could want a director of procurement, for example, who does not spend dollars with Richmond City vendors or, you know, even any one of those positions and their children do not attend Richmond public schools, I think that that does us a disservice. I think that if we're having a challenge with finding uh, Richmond citizens that can fill these roles that are qualified, then it is a human resources issue. It's an issue with us not empowering our citizens and not giving them what they need in order to make the city thrive. You have 30 seconds. So I don't think that accommodating that inefficiency is the right direction that we need to go in. I think that we should preserve the inclusiveness of the ordinance and uh, look at how we can address the real barriers towards staffing the positions. Thank you. Thank you. If anyone is going to speak to this item, and again, I want to, let's see, Mr. Richardson and Mr. Jewell, we're going to speak to it. Uh, if we could just, if you're going to speak to it, you need to be in line now or this will be everyone. Sir, I apologize for the delay. Please no go ahead. No problem. Uh, Councilman Hilbert and council members, my name is Sid Simmons. I'm a longtime resident of the city and concerned about this particular uh, legislation that you're trying to put forth. Uh, first of all, I believe there's a rush to judgment. Can you to, get closer to the mic? I'm sorry. I believe sorry. there's a rush to judgment for uh, council to vote on this uh, particular item, mainly because I don't think it has been thought out. There doesn't seem to be any discernment about coming to this decision. One of the things that I've thought about is the fact that you could have conflict of interest of having people such as the city attorney being from outside the city. I don't know if anybody even thought about that. That person could live in the county and uh, for years and have interest there, and they're going to come into the city and represent the city, perhaps on the same issue. That's just one aspect. The other thing is that it seems to be lessons that haven't been learned. We had a city auditor here, and he made, uh, got a special waiver to be uh, the, the auditor in the city of Richmond. While it seemed that he did a good job in many respects, he seemed to have had great disrespect for, for these members of council and the people of the city of Richmond. And when he left the city, he left... And he seemed to have you just have 30 his feet on uh, the city as just like a, a rug, the way he left the city. He did not uh, properly uh, help the city of Richmond. Uh, he had a disregard for the city's people. I would hope that anybody who uh, is willing to vote for this would also put their job on the line and open that job, their job as city council person up for a wider pool of people. Thank you. Hi, my name is Emma Clark, and I also want to speak in opposition to this proposal. Um, like the previous speaker just said, just like you guys are representatives of the people here in Richmond, these important positions also represent the interests of people who live here in Richmond. And it's important that they, too, experience the outcome of whatever important decision they make. 
Um, so they have, if they are not living here in the city of Richmond, they don't have to truly um, consider as deeply the consequences of their decision as somebody who lives here would. Um, so if we're having trouble finding qualified people, maybe we should invest more in our school system, and in future generations we'll have uh, more options to choose from. Thank you. Hi, my name is David Henderson. Uh, I belong to Ms. Gray's district. Um, I have one other question. If you look at item 27, is that addressing the same issue, the first uh, amendment there? Item 27. Because it seems like it's, it's Let's see. one is and for I'm officers sorry, and then one is for certain city officers. Is that well, right? Number, number 18 is the item for which we suspended the rules to allow it to be spoken about. I can't address item number 27 but it seems during like this time period. Mr. President, that item is on the budget-related ordinances for this and, evening. We haven't gotten right. to that portion yet. Okay. And, yes. Okay. All right. Well, I'll address it when it gets here. Um, Again, I concur with every, what everyone has said, but I will say this. If you do uh, decide to pass this amendment, then I think that a non-residency uh, fee or assessment should be for anyone who lives outside the county. That income could be a source of revenue toward the schools, toward senior housing, toward any number of things that the city uh, still needs. So um, if it happens to go that way, I think that... Um, there should be another way of drawing income from those residents who are paying their money um, to live in the counties and benefiting the counties, and the city is not getting anything from that. That's all I have to say until Thank I you, talk. sir. Mr. Jewell, how are you this evening? Good evening, uh, members of council. Uh, boy, this is a real head-scratcher. Uh, <coughs> the residency requirement... As I recall, was put in place way before my time. I've been bumping around this town for a long time. But it was during the time when we had less population. This was after mass exodus of, of white folks out of Richmond. Uh, and not long after that, massive exodus of black folk out of Richmond. We had a brain drain. Uh, if anything, uh, that should not have been approved back then. But to do it now, when we've got 30... 30 to 35,000 additional residents in the last several decades, um, we've got an enhanced pool of talent, not a shrunken pool. And, and uh, I understand that you have done a, 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 an HR study on this matter, but I don't know that anybody's had a chance to see it. And so what's the rush? Every time we have rushed into a vote on substantive matters, we screw it up, i.e. the Redskins here. Chris, you and I got pressured into that stupid thing. Uh, um, the IDA and the downtown development, we had to bail them out. The city had to bail them out. Rush. You have 30 seconds. Rush, rush. What's the Rush. Let's study this thing, because I have no idea. I haven't had benefit of hearing you all deliberate on the matter. And here it is up for a vote, and the people are dumb as a box of rocks. Uh, rush. What's the rush? Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Jewell. 
Mr. Richardson. Good evening, council members, again. Um, question, is this going to be voted on? No. It's being carried over? Yes, sir. Will the public hearing occur again? Yes, it will. This is public comment. Then I feel more at ease. Okay. I'm this is glad of that. I introduced in 1981, and no one would listen to the loyalty argument, which was if you want to live in, work in my city, you live here. And if you don't want to live here, you don't love it enough to make money off of me. And it, it only applied initially to all fire and police personnel. We found that the police who didn't want to live in Richmond were beating up on people who lived in Richmond because they simply didn't understand the kind of people and the environment that they worked in because they didn't live in it. But then when I brought the secondary argument, and the city attorney, uh, uh, he, you weren't here, sir, but you might have had the same idea, so y'all watch him. But the, um, when I brought the economic argument in, and the council members realized that we were taking almost $15 million a year and salaries going to police and fire. They were taking those dollars out to the counties and paying real estate taxes on houses around Richmond, taking our dollars, our salaries. And the issue. You have 30 seconds. Thank you. And the, the issue was. They didn't want to live in Richmond. That's the issue. These people can live in Richmond. If they want the job badly enough, they'll live in Richmond. Have you been to one of the farms? It's a place over in West End. Beautiful homes. I could sell some homes over there to people who don't want to, who don't think there's enough housing that will accommodate their desires. The problem is too many people think that they don't want to live in the environment. It's not the house, because we have plenty of houses. They just don't want to live in our city. And when they find out the millions of dollars that we send annually on the salaries, and they are paying taxes on surrounding jurisdictions, that means Richmond is financing a competing corporation called Henrico, Chesterfield, Hanover. We'll Thank you, Mr. Their Richardson. real estate taxes by taking salaries, giving them to employees who don't want to live here. But mostly, those people in high positions, they ought to live in Richmond. And if they Thank don't you, want to live Richardson. in Richmond, don't try to make no money. Don't bootleg me. Thank you. All right. Uh, we'll go back into, uh, we will come out of waiving the rules and go back to uh, the regular agenda the next item. Madam Clerk. Would you like to handle the budget-related ordinances for this evening? I would, and I'd like to do them as a, as a, uh, in a totality here. The, I'm sorry, the, in, a bun, in a grouping here. All right. The budget-related ordinances for Council's consideration this evening consist of item numbers 22, Ordinance 2018-057, through 25, Ordinance 2018-060, item number 26, Ordinance 2018-071, item numbers 27, Ordinance 2018-080, and 28, Ordinance 2018-081, item numbers 29, Ordinance 2018-139, through 33, Ordinance 2018 143 and item numbers 34 ordinance 2018-061 through 66 ordinance 2018-097 a public hearing will be held for budget related items 
22 through 33 this evening. The public hearing for budget-related items number 34 through 66 was held at the April 23rd formal meeting of council. No public hearing will be held on those items this evening. Okay. Thank you, Madam Clerk. We'll now open up the public hearing for items number 22 through 30, um, excuse me, 33. 33. So if you are addressing council, you need to be uh, discussing one of these particular items of uh, 22 through 33. Hi, um, once again, my name's Emma Clark. Three weeks ago tonight, at the vote for the cigarette tax, Councilman Agilesto predicted that tonight we would be facing two more years with zero new funding for RPS. While I hope that is untrue, I'm not optimistic. For generations, America has underfunded schools that predominantly serve poor children of color. And as a country, we understand this to be a function of both racism and classism. Here we are, once again, failing to prioritize poor children of color, and I fear it is for the same reasons. You simply did not value these children enough to make the hard decisions that were necessary. We feel extremely let down by our elected officials. We have a mayor who promised us $224 million, then gave us $150, and said, deal with it. You did nothing to remedy this. We have a mayor who we told we needed drastic increases to our operating costs, and he gave us pocket change and said, deal with it. Once again, no action was taken. Our mayor has done wrong by RPS this year, and we are disappointed to see city council following in his lead. I'm watching my school board make choices about which necessary essential services to cut to our kids, which necessary upgrades to forego. And it makes me angry, because when George Wythe High School doesn't get a new facility as they desperately need, it is not the members of this council who are going to be telling the families the bad news, but it is the council's responsibility. As painful as all of this has been, it has been most frustrating to hear from council members Trammell and Gray. I heard Ms. Gray make the comment that we cannot keep throwing money at this problem, and I was astounded. How could anyone look at our budget and think that we have thrown too much money at the schools? The problem is that there seems to be a misunderstanding about the funds that we have. The $8 million that was called a surplus is essentially an emergency fund because our schools are in such desperate shape that they are on the brink of collapse. The $12 million that we were accused of hoarding does not exist, which was made clear by our superintendent. What it really comes down to is that some members of the council and the mayor seem to think that they have the right to hold our funding have 30 seconds. until we agree to close schools. Well, we're not doing it. Closing schools will always hurt poor kids first. We may have over-enrolled schools, but we also, or we may have under-enrolled schools, but we also have schools that are suffering from overcrowding. We need redistricting, not closures. I don't have to justify the plan that the school board chose to this body because it is not your responsibility to choose a facilities plan. It is your job to fund it. Thus far, the mayor and the council have failed in this job, and I'm asking tonight that we get it together. 
Thank you. If anyone who wishes to speak to these items could please line up uh, so that we could expedite uh, this as quickly as possible, the people's business. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate your patience. Hello, my name is Betsy Milburn, and of course I'm here to speak about RPS school funding. I honestly do not think a single thing I say will change what you, City Council, has already decided. Yet I am still here. My voice matters. I'm here to speak to the real realities of resource starvation and resource allocation. My first example is my child experienced this year what resource starvation does when applied to data management within Richmond Public Schools. It's not that RPS was unaware of the problem. They did ask for more resources for several years, yet did not receive them. Because of this, literally hundreds of kids had incorrect senior transcripts along with GPAs that were sent to colleges. My child will be okay. He has me as an advocate and a wonderful support system. But again, the child who, are on the, who is on the margin, that is a child I worry about. These are very real results of resource starvation. A second example is the very basic idea of transportation within Richmond Public Schools. I have argued and talked to Richmond Public Schools transportation for six long years now. And basically, I've come to the conclusion, I pick up my child, and I take my child to school when school buses don't show up, which would be on the average of once every three weeks. This is a privilege I have, but again, what about the child who is on the margin, who doesn't have a parent who can leave work, or simply leave home to pick them up and take them from one place to another? Both of these are examples of simple foundations a school system should have. There always seems to be resources for pet projects, yet when it comes to a basic system within a school that's unsexy or not a pet, it does not seem to be funded in the correct manner. Again, I don't expect anyone here to change their funding choices because you have made up your mind, but you all should be aware of the very real consequences of resource starvation. I would trust that one day, maybe some of you, find your backbones and do what is right for the children. They are our future. Thank you. Mr. President, members of council, I wish to speak in reference to uh, Ordinance 2018-059, the CIP. Speaking as a chairman of the Richmond Regional Mounted Police and Barn Project, I want to thank all of you. As you know, it's been so many decades and so many years that we've come here and it's been discussions about a long-needed barn. My compliments are to all the people behind the scenes and all the community and citizens who've reached out to you and communicated, uh, Mark Olinger and his crew, Ms. Cuffey Glenn and her staff, the mayor, some of you individually, all know that this has been a, a dire need. And we at the sunrise, I believe, I'm speaking from my heart, we at the sunrise of making this a reality. I'm looking forward to continuing to work, but my primary purpose of stepping up here is to say we all have skin in the game in different parts of this paper, but it's a blessing that we're maybe very closer than ever of getting a, a regional barn to accommodate the Capitol Police and the VCU Police and our police. And I know Chief Durham is excited and thankful for the progress. Colonel Pike, 
Colonel Venuti, people as far as way as London who've watched this and seen the progress. So even though you're here and the people are far, way beyond the jurisdictions of this city, are optimistic that we're in a reality zone of getting a police stable for our horses. And I sincerely thank each one of you for your conversations and your efforts, your support, and your opposition, and your viewpoints. And again, thank you very much. Excuse me, could you please state your name for the record? Glenwood W. Burley, Chairman of the Richmond Regional Mounted Police and Stable Project, resident of the 4th District. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Keith Andes. I'm president of Richmond Professional Firefighters Association, but tonight I want to step outside of my role and I want to talk about Ordinance 218, 2018 071, and that's a 1% pay raise for general employees. Uh, it is long overdue. We have 18 non sworn folks that work in our Richmond Fire Department family that work a long day and then some when they go home at night and they deserve a raise and I hope that we can do even more. Um, the fire department also gets assistance from public works, gas utilities, all those folks. I come down, observe city council meetings and all the folks that stand or sit before me that work on our budget. Uh, they work long hours, I'm sure a lot of times at home they don't, uh, they need and deserve uh, what we can give them. And so I appreciate the work that's being done to hopefully uh, give them a 1% raise and hopefully as the city grows each and every year, they can get even more raises. So I am in support of this. My local is in support of this and the Richmond Fire Department is in support of it. Thank you. Thank you. Does anyone else wish to speak to these matters? Uh, yes, sir. I want to talk to um, item 27. I need some clarity there. Um, we're talking about concerning residence re requirements for certain city officers and employees, and then we're talking about uh, retirement allowance for certain city officials for the purpose of effectuation the, uh, was the abolition of um, Department of Economic and Community Development. So you're breaking up a lot of things here. Okay. Um, again, yes. my question is to residency requirement. I think that if you want to live in the city, right, if you want to work in the city, you should live in the city. You should be drawing income from the city. If you want to live in the counties, then there should be a non-residency uh, fee or assessment or whatever. Uh, a lot of cities do it, you know, just because certain counties around here don't do it. Right. A lot of cities do The income that you... And I'm sorry, sir... I, I appreciate what you're saying, but that's not related to item number 27. But it says concerning residential requirement for certain city officials and officers and employees. Is that correct? Let's see. Item 27. Retirement allowance, uh, et cetera. Before, these are splitting these up. I'm sorry, Mr. That, Jackson. There's so much in that whole paragraph, actually. There, there is, and I understand that. It is complicated. Yeah. Mr. Jackson. What the paper does is it adds two newly created positions to the residency requirement. I, I apologize. Me, to the residency requirement. Uh, it takes effect July 1. If council takes action on 
the other paper, that paper also will take effect July 1, and it will supersede this one. So we're still talking about residence requirements, sir? Well, we are, but we're also um, uh, creating an Office of Inspector General uh, as well as uh, the Department of Housing and Community Development and separating the Department of Economic and Community Development into two uh, separate uh, entities. Someone here from the administration would like to? And we're adding, Mr. President, we're adding those yes. positions right. to the residency requirements. I apologize, please. Yes. So go ahead, sir. I apologize. Thank you. Do you want to speak? Oh, okay. So we're saying that we can't find this, the employees here in the city. We have to make an amendment to hire people from outside the city of Richmond to do this. Is that correct? We, we're coming back to, again, is, is that what this is all about? Yes, it is. It's I, adding folks to the um, right. Right. Against that. To the class. I think that we have more than enough capable people here in the city to fill those job requirements. So I hope you take that into account. But if you vote for it, then I would like for a non-residency uh, fee or assessment be taken into account also where 2 to 3% of people's paychecks can then be uh, put here in the city and then used for school. So is this working? Also for seniors. That's all I have to say. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Is there anyone else that uh, wishes to speak to this paper? Mr. Uh, Jones, did you have a comment? No, sir. It was just simply, if we could allow the gentleman to just finish, that was all. Okay. Thank you. All right. Great. Okay. Uh, seeing no uh, further discussion, I'll bring it back to uh, the public hearing is closed. I'll bring it back to council for discussion. Ms. Gray. So I um, just want to make a couple of comments because I've been in the trenches as a parent and as a school board member and now as a city council person um, fighting for school funding, um, making sure that students' needs were being met. Um, as a parent and as a mother um, who fits that um, description of low-income minority Residents, students of RPS who've had to fight through all the um, missteps of the school district. Um, I just want to say, I, I would, as a school board member, I learned schools aren't allowed to accumulate balances. Um, they, that's not in the government accounting rules. We appropriated a budget. Eighty percent of the school budget is salaries. So if a $12.5 million surplus has accumulated, it's because of a lack of management and a lack of setting priorities for our students. So when the question was asked what necessary needs will not be funded, I asked what wasn't funded when those balances were being accumulated. What did my children and everyone else's child miss out on when those balances were being accumulated? You can't accumulate a balance of salary income to move over for emergencies. The schools are categorically funded as a result of a resolution or ordinance put forward by Mr. Agilesto. 
um, those balances can't be moved from category to category. So that, that's a false argument to say, oh, we saved up the money in case of emergency. Um, they don't get to keep their fund balance without city council's approval of re-appropriating um, those funds back to the school district. What wasn't funded? What necessary needs were not met when that balance was being accumulated? That's the question we should all be asking of the school district and the school board. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Ms. Trammell. Thank you, Mr. President. Also, I want to just say that um, I know that many times the schools are telling us, the school board members are saying they don't have the money for books, they don't have the money for this, they don't have the money for that. And I hear the children, too, tell me that they don't have books or dictionaries and things like that. I want to take this time to thank Deborah Morton for taking her time to go with me and Barbara Good and um, another citizen from the Oak Grove area. We did a tour of the Oak Grove School, not the new Oak Grove Bell Mead, but the old Oak Grove at um, 2200 Ingram Avenue. And believe me, I was shocked when I, I have pictures. I have over 100 pictures. When I saw all these books, these books thrown on the floor in almost every classroom, just thrown in piles, there was a whole row of encyclopedias that I was thinking those children could use these books right now. And I was scooping them up, and I was thinking, my goodness, how am I going to get about 500 of these books in my car? And I asked Deborah Morton and I asked Chris, please don't throw these books away. Let me come back with some help, get a truck or something. I'm quite sure somebody in my district will help me. Get a truck and go take these books and take them to the children. Take them to the libraries. Take them to um, the first grade, because, I mean, every room that I went. And these are nice books. I know somebody, I mean, it's just nothing's been written in them. They're, they're just like brand-new books. And a lot of them are just, some, many of them are sitting on shelves or on cabinets. And like I said, there were many that was thrown in the classroom like somebody just, like they just ran out because it was a fire or something. Um, that school, those, citizens, those neighbors over there are telling me they want that school open back up. They want it open back up for those children to be able to have a school. Since the schools are overcrowded, especially in Southside, we could use, and I gave, with my, the help of my colleagues, $200,000 to go into the Oak Grove School on Ingram Avenue. So I'm hoping that maybe the school board would do a better job when they close the school up. Let us council members, if nothing else, come in there and clean it out and take the supplies ourselves so that we can distribute them to the libraries or to the children that come to our district meetings. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, Ms. Larson. Um, I just wanted to speak about the budget process a little bit this year. Uh, I would say there were a couple of positive things that happened. Um, I appreciate the support of my colleagues for um, the three traffic studies for the 4th District, one in Forest Terrace, one for Bliley and West Tower Roads, and the other for the Stony Point area. These are important initiatives, and I appreciate your support on this. Um, I also wanted to thank the staff, because the format of doing the operating budget in the staggered way, um, I, I thought worked. Uh, we weren't here till 5 a.m., for better or for worse. Um, but I, I appreciated being able to uh, chunk it 
and talk about the the topics rather than have a laundry list of a hundred amendments that we're looking at and we can't remember the details about the presentation we got six weeks prior. So I, I like the timeliness of it and when Mark interviewed me about the budget process, I did tell him that, but I didn't think that was exciting enough to print, so I wanted to say it here. Um, there were a couple of things that were frustrating, though. Um, we had the woman here tonight who talked about the, the art program, and um, I'm just I'm disappointed about how that all came together. Um, we had had, I think, two days of really frustrating discussion about CIP. We could not get consensus on making any cuts, and this came up randomly. Um, we did not get any information about pending projects. And, you know, I mean, I, I also blame ourselves that we should have pumped the brakes and slowed down the process, but um, I'm disappointed about that, um, and I think we should work to restore that money in the coming year. Um, the budget format that we voted on last year that I believe we're voting on again this year, I'm not sure if that is being followed with the intent. And it was so controversial last year. I mean, I had people calling me, meetings, all kinds of stuff. But I just read the, the introduction papers, and there's a $3.7 million sure up that we're slated to vote on. Um, now, some of these transfers have been discussed, but a lot of them haven't. And the whole point of doing the, the budget format the way we did was so that we are aware of what is going on with the finances of our city in real time. So I'm disappointed about that. Um, I'm also disappointed that we didn't find extra dollars for school maintenance or paving. These are two extremely high priorities in our city. You, all you have to do is drive from City Hall to your house to see that we need more than a million dollars in paving, which is all we have. And on your way home, you'll probably pass a couple schools and know that we need money for school maintenance. Um, so um, we, we, we've got to find those dollars. We've got to work harder on the CIP and reprioritizing. Um, Mr. Agilesta was right when he, in one of his speeches, where he uh, cited some of the priorities that we have. I, I think a lot of our stuff is upside down. And it's really hard, once stuff gets in the CIP book, to undo it. But we, we, gotta, we gotta get there. And then the last thing is, I met with the mayor last week, and I told him, congratulations. We haven't touched your operating budget at all. Um, he was excited, and he should be. But I think we should have spent more time on digging into that and talking about the cuts. Um, and that will be a recommendation I would make for the process for next year, is that we talk about the cuts no matter what, because there are things in that operating budget that we needed to debate amongst ourselves, and we didn't give ourselves the time to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Larson. Uh, any further comments? Mr. Agilesto. 
Thank you, Council President. Um, and I really appreciate Ms. Larson's comments because uh, I think it's, it's well articulated. Um, we have made improvement in the process. Um, frankly, I would like to see continued improvement in the process. I think uh, Council deserves to do more of a budget retreat of its own well in advance uh, and to really tear apart the, the budget so that we can present to the administration before October what it is that we would like to see improved and that it's not just Councilperson A, B, or C have individual meetings with the administration, but that this is Council's vision for the city. Because right now I feel that there are lots of different visions for the city and it makes the budget process um, less than efficient. I'd also um, like to say that the priorities, again, and I don't know um, how to echo this, but uh, I appreciate the administration in their effort to follow through on council's desires to see uh, the uh, fire and police uh, salary comp uh, um, uh, compression issues uh, continue to be addressed and to work to increase the starting salary for uh, many of our sworn personnel. But at the same time, I'm disappointed that other priorities such as public infrastructure and public education were very much left off the table. And that's council's responsibility. I, I think the easiest thing for anybody who wants to run for office is to go knock on doors and to tell them, I prioritize public safety, public infrastructure, public education. It's the easiest thing to do to get elected because who doesn't support public safety, public education, and, and public infrastructure? But in this budget, I don't feel we got 100%. I think we got 100% for fire and police and for the ambulance authority, but I don't think we got it for schools, and I don't think we got it for infrastructure. And I think that's something that this council is going to have to really uh, begin to address, particularly for those who are going to seek uh, re-election. The budget that is being adopted tonight is the FY19 and FY20 biennial budget. That FY20 budget is an election year. Thank you, Mr. Agilasto. Any other comments? Ms. Robertson. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I would like to just speak in regards to the budget um, and the amendments that are before us for the budget. Um, I agree that one of the one of the major accomplishments this year with the budget was has been uh, due to a lot of action that was taken prior to the budget year when the council actually adopted legislation to ensure that we had come to a place of realizing exactly how many what amount of dollars needed to be in the budget for fire and police. Uh, that legislation was passed long before the budget was adopted. 
so when we received the budget, the funding for both fire and police was included, and therefore uh, what has usually taken up a huge amount of our time uh, discussing the budget, we did not have to do that this year. Um, and that was a major accomplishment on behalf of, the, of this council as well as the administration. Uh, and for the first time in the years that I've served on this council, we had both departments to actually come down and say thank you instead of telling us all the reasons why we needed to amend the budget. So I want to thank the administration for their responsiveness to the legislation of the council and making sure that that issue was taken care of before we received this budget. Um, and we hope that that is going to be a continuation, that it's not a one-year uh, occurrence or one-year budget cycle occurrence, that this would be something that we would not have to face. And I'm looking forward to the next budget year that uh, there is a request um, that the administration works closely with schools and understand what is in the budget, what is not in the budget, and come to an agreement as to the dollar amounts that we expect to see in the budget, even for the amended budget uh, year that will be coming back to us about this time next year. Um, there's a lot of work that has to be done. Uh, I think we've got the staff, the expertise of the staff, uh, to make sure that we identify those sources of funds and that we come to a reasonable uh, consideration and an agreement as to what needs to be in the budget for rich and public schools next year. And hopefully we'll have schools coming before us saying thank you instead of thanking us to be folk that care not about educating our children. Um, there is money in this budget for Richmond Public Schools this year. We all recognize it doesn't meet uh, the requests of schools, and so hopefully next year that will be resolved. Um, there are other key things that are funded in this budget that I think are very critical, and they are, some of them are. I, I'm very pleased with the fact that there is a lot more emphasis being placed on our youth and providing uh, additional funding for more services through our park and rec centers to make sure that we are keeping our youth off of the street and keeping them busy, actively engaged, and creative things to help them uh, be the kids that we want to be that goes to school ready to learn, which is one of the challenges that we constantly face. Um, Pleased with the fact that uh, we've continued to support the work that is being done in the city to reduce poverty. I am um, grateful that we'll continue to fund affordable housing for the city of Richmond and recognize the need for us to provide communities that provide a variety of economic housing choices for people to live in the city of Richmond and live in decent communities. Um, the extended services that are being provided through our libraries, uh, I think it's another means by which we are looking at a holistic approach of services for the city of Richmond. The fact that we've listened to what the citizens have asked us as it relates to community development and creating a community development that can focus on um, 
the healthy development of our communities, as well as putting the energy and the time that we need in economic development proposals so that we don't feel like they're coming to us at the last minute. It's another real strong uh, factor of this budget that is going to make for us to have a more thriving uh, city that we are all pushing for. Um, There are lots of other Uh, additional resources that have been provided in different areas uh, to work together to make sure that uh, our departments are providing the kind of services that the citizens demand of us from the potholes, the street paving, and all of those kinds of services as well. And so where there are shortfalls, and school certainly is not at the place that it needs to be by no stretch of the imagination, Our commitment that has been expressed over and over again is that between now and this legislative year that is coming up in October, that we are asking that the same way we were able to resolve the conflict or the not coming to a solid agreement for police and fire, that that's our mission, to accomplish the same thing for Richmond Public School. And I'm confident that we will... We will burn the candle as long as we need to to make sure that hopefully this is the last year that rich and public schools will be coming to us with a uh, request for funding because when we receive the budget from the mayor in March of next year, those amounts will have been resolved. So, um, Mr. President, I appreciate the leadership that you and the vice uh, president has provided for us this year to get through the deliberations uh, for this budget cycle. I know there have been times when uh, Dr. Newbill has had to set in for several of those meetings to oversee this, and uh, that has worked very effectively. You all have been a great team in leading us in that effort And uh, we'll look forward to a continuation of working together to make things work best for the city. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mr. President. I'll be brief. Um, We have to find a way to fund schools. We have to find a way to simply give them the money that they request, that they need. I don't believe it's being used for nefarious uh, endeavors. I don't think they are trying to squander or waste. I don't think they are uh, poor stewards. Um, They're simply trying to do a task. And I think at some point um, we have to put uh, our, if we say they're important, we have to put our treasure where our heart is. Uh, Everything that we've tried to do, or at least I've tried to do from a budget standpoint, impacts education, clean and safe neighborhoods. Uh, That is a key uh, indicator to school success. Um, we can have fully funded schools, but if our neighborhoods are in disarray, um, our kids won't do as well because they'll be coming home to uh, areas in which they are proliferated with uh, litter and gunfire and all other type of social issues. And so um I'm not disappointed in what we did this year. We need to find the funding. Uh, the funding, we, we can't rob Peter to pay Paul. 
We have to find new funding sources. We have to find a way uh, to get everyone involved in the city of Richmond to make some tough decisions um, in how we put resources towards schools. Um, should they close schools? I don't know. I'm not on school board. Uh, should they rezone? I don't know. I'm not on school board. Um, and so I'm going to trust uh, that my colleagues on the school board would do what they need to get done, but it would be great to see them have full funding for a few years to see what they do with it. Uh, and we, we'll never know until we till we fund it. We need to, um, and, and this is, this, this is to my colleagues on, on, on city council and on the school board. We've got to stop the back and forth to think that members of city council are against schools, I believe is one of the most asinine arguments that I have heard. It's a false narrative uh, that inaccurately uh, places something on uh, this council that is not deserving uh, from everything that I've seen. Uh, people can try and to people can try to uh, uh, levy particular attacks at certain individuals. I don't care if they served on the school board; it doesn't matter. They are serving on city council now, and they have a responsibility—a tough one. Uh, because again, we can fully fund schools this year, but we have to deal with so many other issues, and so it is much larger than just one aspect of it. And so, I respect the school board in wanting to. Um, own their part um, because if I were on school board I would probably Mr. President be saying the same things uh, sending the same letters uh, and creating the same narrative to try and get as much funding uh, as I can but I hope as council will look to make some tough decisions um, over the next few months I hope that we would uh, come together to find the funding uh, that is necessary. But with that being said, we still have a very strong budget. Uh, we're putting money uh, towards uh, a CAPS program, towards our zoning department, uh, code enforcement to make sure we get our neighborhoods clean. Um, we are making sure that our libraries are staying open. If you go to the Broad Rock Library, it is packed on Sundays. It's interesting. It's more packed on Sundays than any other day of the week, Mr. President. Um, we, we, we need lights in our parks to make sure that they're safe. Um, there, there's so many things that we need in our city. I'm glad that we're going to have uh, uh, after-school programs and summer programs in our community centers. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, the council has supported uh, the expanding of programming uh, at several of our uh, uh, uh community centers that are not in some of your districts. And so I appreciate that uh, coming from the 9th District, from the South Side. That is going to make a direct impact in what my young people do. It just is. And so it gives them hope. It gives them an opportunity. We have so many things, positive things that are going on uh, in our city as it relates to our young people. Schools, it's a major part of it. Um, but after schools... After they're out, what do they have then? And so that's the responsibility of council, <laughs> to make sure the kids in the 8th and 9th district have something to do at the end of that bell. Um, and that's, we're, we're committed to that. And so I, I want to say this again publicly. We are committed, and I'll speak on behalf of all of us. We are committed to making sure 
that our schools have what they need. And we're going to make some tough decisions to see how we can get there now and in the future. As my colleague would say, all 24,000 of them, uh, uh, they're our children. They are our constituents. Um, and so they have value, not later when they become voting aides, but they have value now. And so um, I just appreciate everything that my colleagues did um, to ensure a good process and to put together a strong budget. And I'm just excited about where the city is going now and in the future. Everything's not perfect, uh, but we're in the process of perfecting uh, what it is that is going on. So thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Mr. Addison. Thank you, Council President. Um, no, I think we have a lot of challenges facing our city, and I think we also have a lot of accomplishments that we have um, to achieve. And I think things that we have before us that are opportunities that um, we need to embrace and figure out how to solve them. They're complicated. They're, they're going to be a lot of rolling up our sleeves and getting our hands dirty. But, you know, from schools, infrastructure, the basic key services of government, you know, we need to make sure we hit the ground running and work where we need to work on, invest where we need to invest. And I feel like we have put a lot of emphasis on schools over the past 16 months, 17 months that we've been working together on city council. And we have more work to do. It's not enough. But I think we also need to see that matched back with the school board and the RPS now that we have Jason Cameras on board to go in and respond with some of their improvements, some of their efficiencies, some things that are going to match to show that our stepping up with funding is going to be met with their ability to utilize that process and working together to achieve that. We, do, we need to improve in the classroom performance. We need to improve school um, um, occupant, occupation, uh, occupancy to make sure we're fully capitalizing on the space we have for students. We need to make sure our teachers are embraced with after-school activities to make sure their kids aren't going home and forgetting everything and coming back and having to redo it all. And I think we're seeing that. We've invested in that. Uh, what you see in this budget is also a symptom of a challenge, I think, that we need to really get um, a bigger hand around, which is our issue with revenue. A lot of the challenge we have is that our revenues aren't growing like our peers are. And I think in, in doing that, we have a housing market that's exploding, yet we're seeing diminishing returns in areas of revenue that our counties are seeing growth in. And we need to fix that. And I know that there's going to take investment and some focus on that because it's that revenue that helps get us the more funding to pay for the things we need to pay for. And we're not coming, that's not coming into our coffers right now. And if it takes going to the state to ask for some improvements for things like school funding, I mean, the LCI formula was going to give us less money for schools this year when we're already handcuffed as it is. And that's not acceptable considering the plight of what we're dealing with. We have a lot of challenges to deal with, but it's not just our funding. It's also partnering with people and businesses and corporations and nonprofits and people that want to get involved with our schools to support that. And I'm willing to do that. And I think we've been more than capable of supporting those initiatives. And I think what you're seeing is the, the budget that we're presenting tonight that we're going to be voting on is an extension of last year's budget. There are a lot of good changes in that budget, but there's not a lot of budget increases. We didn't see very many people come before us from the administration saying, I need more positions, I need more money. It was very budget neutral. It was very, what I felt was a response to saying, we're going to do it with what we have better and more. Now, is it perfect? No. But we're going to improve upon it, and I think that's a task before us. I think next year's budget is going to see a lot of different changes. We have a lot of things to fix, schools, facilities, infrastructure challenges, et cetera. And I think from what we dealt with in this budget process, we have some process things you need to fix. And I'm willing to work with all nine of you, or eight of you, because I'm the ninth, all eight of you to do that together 
and with school board and the superintendent of schools and the mayor. So I look forward to seeing how this rolls out, um, and I want to make sure we make it perfect and better. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Addison. Vice President Newbill. Thank you, Mr. President, and I'll uh, endeavor to be brief, which I'm not noted for, especially in things that I care about being the city of Richmond. Um, I want to first uh, just acknowledge, thank, and appreciate staff for the budget process this year. While we still have some um, uh, revising to do, it was significantly improved in terms of basic process over last year. Um, I do want to uh, certainly um, join my colleagues and say, yes, we have a lot of challenges before our city and our community. Um, however, I think that in this budget process, and I think the budget speaks to our prioritization uh, of the challenges uh, such that we did look at public safety. We did look and try to address public education, housing, um, looking at um, non-departmental to ensure that we have quality before, during, and after school programming, looking at our safety net providers within that context, and especially in an environment where health care is uh, still not uh, clear that all citizens will have access, making sure that we re retain funding there. Parks and Rec, um, uh, again, libraries, housing, uh, and, and we could go through the list, but I think that for me what we attempted to do uh, was to address the priorities, um, knowing that we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, for me, and, and I stated this before, especially as it pertains to schools, we do need to develop that comprehensive funding strategy to address construction, maintenance, repair, as well as the academic programming within our schools and the operations. It will be a strategy that will include um, cross-sector components going through every revenue stream that the city of Richmond has to look to see if there are, and where there are possibilities. Going back to the state, going to the feds, looking at our partners, corporations, foundations, and also looking at best practices to make sure that the funding that we'll have for meals tax, uh, the $150 million, really we maximize the opportunity to get as many schools done with those dollars as possible. And so, um, again, uh, we have begun a process, but we still have a lot of work to do, and I look forward to working with certainly my colleagues here on council, but also the school's uh, leadership and administration, uh, the city administration, of course, um, as well as the broader community. And so, again, are we where we want to be? No. Um, do I think that we uh, genuinely work to address the priorities before our city? Absolutely. Um, more work to come? Absolutely. And so, again, I, I simply think um, it was challenging. I think our staff, I, all of my colleagues, um, there was a lot of give and take uh, in this process. And um, um, I think that we've made significant progress, but we still have a lot of work to do. And so, again, um, not nearly there, but definitely significant work and effort 
um, with, uh, again, amongst the greatest priorities, certainly public safety. Our 24,000 children throughout schools in the city of Richmond, as I said, we still have more work to do. Um, housing, infrastructure, libraries, uh, et cetera. But um, we are all committed that I am clear about from our conversations during this budget process. All nine of us are committed to ensuring that our children uh, have the best uh, and state-of-the-art education, that um, we have quality housing, that we have um, infrastructure that bespeaks the city of our quality and uh, core service offering, et cetera. But um, again, do we have work to do? Absolutely. Uh, did we make some headway? headway? Absolutely. And I look forward to our continued work together uh, to uh, achieve the desired goals in each of these core areas that are priorities for us all. So um, I know that I was uh, not going to be long-winded, but I'm sure I exceeded everybody's time. Thank you, Mr. President, for that indulgence. Thank you, uh, Madam Vice President. I just want to uh, reserve my remarks here. I think everyone said uh, what could be said about the items in the budget. Uh, I just want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our staff, uh, to the uh, ladies in front of me. Uh, thank you so much for all that you do and to the the lady to my right, uh, your left, Ms. Ali, uh, Mr. Brown, uh, out in the audience there, we thank you so much. This has not been an easy process. Uh, the city attorney, uh, Mr. Jackson, we certainly appreciate your indulgence during this time. So uh, that's really all I want to say, and I'm sure I've left out uh, hundreds of people, but let me, and that's about how many people touch our budget, uh, that I would uh, sincerely thank you and for the citizens that, that came back, uh, came down with their input and the phone calls and the emails that you sent to us. Madam Clerk, please call the question. Council is voting on agenda items 22 through 66 as stated. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. President Hilbert? Aye. Those papers have been adopted. Let's see. Um, wonderful. Uh, let's see here. We're, we're past uh, all the, the items here. Are we, uh, do we have any motions to amend and continue this evening? <laughs> Yes, there is one, and that is for item 11, Ordinance 2018-127, to amend city code for the purpose of requiring that data sets used to prepare reports made to the city council and its standing committees be published to the open data portal. The proposed amendment to that paper is as follows. Page 2, line 3, after the subsection letter B, delete the paragraph within 10 working days after a report is made to the city council or standing committee. The open data program manager shall publish 
through the open data por- portal all data sets used to prepare the report, except to the extent provided by Section 2-1366.3b. For each data set so published, the open data program manager shall ensure that the open data portal clearly identifies to what report the data set relates and that all other requirements of this division pertaining to the publication of the data set are met. And add the paragraph, each report submitted to the city council or a standing committee thereof shall include a statement identifying the source of each data set used in the creation of the report. If a data set identified in the statement is not published through the open data portal or otherwise publicly available through a city-controlled web application or web page, at the time the report is submitted to the city council or standing committee, the city employee who submitted the report to the city council or standing committee shall file a copy of the data set with the city clerk and the open data program manager within 10 working days after the city employee submitted the report to the city council or standing committee. The city employee shall provide all data in the data set in a machine-readable format. Upon receiving the data set, the open data program manager shall cause the data set to be published except to the extent provided by Section 2-1366.3b, either on the open data portal or on another city-controlled web application or web page. For each data set that the open data program manager publishes pursuant to the subsection, the open, open data program manager shall ensure that the open data portal or other city-controlled web application or web page clearly identifies to what report the data set relates. At the same time that the open data management team makes quarterly reports pursuant to section 2-1366.6D10, the open data management team shall indicate how data set sets to which this subsection applies have been published. I will need a motion to accept the amendment as read and to continue that paper to the Tuesday, May the 29th council meeting. Mr. Addison, will you make that motion? So moved. Ms. Trammell, will you second that? Second. Council is voting on the motion to amend and continue Ordinance 2018-127 to the May 29th Council meeting as stated. Mr. Jones. Aye. Ms. Robertson. Aye. Ms. Larson. Aye. Mr. Lesto. Ms. Gray. Aye. Ms. Trammell. Aye. Mr. Addison. Aye. Vice President Newbill. Aye. President Hilbert. Aye. That paper will be before you again as amended on Tuesday, May the 29th. Hey, wonderful. <clears throat> Excuse me, are there any papers? Uh, Madam Clerk, there, are there papers for expedited consideration? Yes, there is one. A resolution to consent to the mayor's appointment of Juwan Davis as a member of the education compact team established by the mayor. I will need a motion to expedite consideration of this paper. Council Member Gray, will you make that motion? Ms. Trammell, will you second? Second. Council is voting on the motion to expedite consideration of the proposed resolution as read. Mr. Jones. Aye. Ms. Robertson. Aye. Ms. Larson. Aye. Mr. Agilesto. Ms. Gray. Aye. Ms. Trammell. Aye. Mr. Addison. Aye. Vice President Newbill. Aye. President Hilbert. Aye. That motion has passed and that paper is before you for consideration. All right. Excuse me, would the patron uh, like to provide information concerning this paper? It's the mayor's papers. Yes, anyone from the administration want to speak to uh, this matter regarding this appointment? Uh, No? Okay. All right, very good. Uh, Then we'll, uh, let's see, open this up to a public hearing. Persons who wish to speak in opposition to this paper. Seeing none, persons that wish to speak in uh, favor. Seeing none, bring it back to council for discussion. 
Madam Clerk, call the question. Council is voting on the resolution as stated. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. President Hilbert? Aye. That paper has been adopted. Okay. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. Are we, uh, let's see, looks like we're ready for the approval of the minutes. Yes, sir. The minutes to be approved are from the informal meeting of April the 23rd, 2018 at 4 p.m., the for formal meeting of April the 23rd, 2018 at 6 p.m., and the special meeting of May 7th, 2018 at 5 p.m. I will need a motion to approve those minutes. Mr. Jones, will you make that motion? So moved. Ms. Robertson, will you second? Second. Council is voting on the approval of the minutes as presented. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. President Hilbert? Aye. Those minutes have been approved. Great. Let's move on to reports and announcements. Uh, Mr. Addison and then Ms. Uh, Larson and Mr. Jones. Mr. Addison. Thank you, Council President. Um, I wanted to uh, give a thank you to the West Hampton Citizens Association for inviting me to speak at their spring party um, May the 2nd. It was great to hear from you uh, directly about some of your concerns and needs in the com community and also to ask some questions about the budget and other things going on as well. The upcoming spring meetings that I'll be attending um, in the other neighborhoods will be the Westmoreland Place, Glen Burnie, Hampton Gardens, and also be attending the Museum District Association's traffic meeting uh, next week as well. Um, be on the lookout for the West Hampton survey on, for in regards to the Bon Secours proposed B7 zoning. I'm looking for input on your um, whether you support or against or undecided about the specific uses outlined in this zoning. Your feedback will be instrumental. And I've already seen um, a lot of feedback. I've over have over 500 responses thus far, and I'm looking forward to getting more. So you can find that on the Facebook page, First District RVA, or you can go to the website, and you can see it also in the newsletter. And if you have not received your newsletter, you can go to firstdistrictrva.com and sign up. I'm more than happy to share that information with you. Um, be on the lookout, too, for the next meeting for the review and sharing of the results from that survey next Tuesday, May the 22nd. At 6 o'clock, we'll be meeting at St. Bridget's Middle School, which is located at 3112 Three Chop Road. Um, next first district meeting will be on Wednesday, May the 23rd. Yes, that's the next night at 6 p.m. at Mary Mumford Elementary. Uh, we'll be giving a service update, budget overview, and some next steps on some key projects and services going on. You also get a school board update from Liz Dorr, and I'll get your chance to meet our new liaison, Nicole Williams. If you want to looking to stay informed and up-to-date with information and services and want to communicate with the First District Office, please use the website, firstdistrictrva.com. You can call us at 804-646-5935. You can also email us at andreas.addison at richmondgov.com and nicole.williams at richmondgov.com as well. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Addison. Ms. Larson. Thank you. We have a couple meetings going on this week. Uh, tomorrow night, we have two neighborhood associate, association meetings. Uh, the first one is Forest Hill Neighborhood Association. They meet at Forest Hill Presbyterian Church at 7 p.m. 
And then the Southampton Citizens Association meets at Southampton Rec Association at 7.15 p.m. I will be at both those meetings for a short period of time. Um, this upcoming Saturday, the Westover Hills Neighborhood Association is holding their annual picnic, which is tons of fun. And that starts at 4 p.m. And the details are on their website as well as their Facebook page. Next week, the Hobby Hill Civic Association will host their annual meeting at Huguenot Road Baptist Church at 7 p.m. I will also be attending that meeting. And then my fourth district meeting is going to be on June 14th at 6 p.m. at Huguenot Community Center. Um, I also wanted to remind Richmonders and visitors that the Dominion River Rock Festival is this weekend. It's not in my district, but it's super fun, and I will be there, and I'm sure it will be really hot. Um, but I hope folks attend. I think it's one of our best events that we have in our city. If you need to reach me, you can reach me at kristen.larson at richmondgov.com, or you can call me on my cell phone, which is 804 503 1313. Thank you, uh, Ms. Larson, Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mr. President. This weekend, we are pleased to welcome to the 9th District the Richmond Symphony's Big Tent Community Festival entitled United by Music on Friday and Saturday, May 18th and 19th. There will be uh, music performed by the Richmond Symphony along with local and national performers, food trucks, and children's activities galore. This event is free, free to anyone who chooses to come, uh, but any donations made at the event will benefit music education in Southside schools. Uh, the event runs from 5 to 8 p.m. on Friday, uh, Friday evening, and from noon to 7.30 p.m. on Saturday. For more information, visit richmondsymphony.com or call my office at 646-2779. We want to see everyone out this Friday and Saturday. On June 6th, uh, the Department of Public Works will hold a meeting to share updates on the Hall Street Road infrastructure project. Please attend this meeting to learn more about uh, the major sidewalk, road, and drain drainage repairs coming to the entire 9th District portion of Hall Street. Uh, the meeting on June the 6th will begin at 5 p.m. at the Southside Service Center, 4100 Hall Street Road. Our next district meeting will be held at the Southside Community Center, 6255 Old Warwick Road, on Thursday, June 14th at 6 p.m. Presenters will include a representative from the Richmond City Planning Department to, to discuss uh, the process for updating the master plan and how the zoning changes uh, made will affect each of you. Um, Please remember that 9th District meetings are always on the second Thursday of the month at the Southside Community Center. We will have a meeting every month, including the summer months, so please plan on joining us as often as you can. We will, however, change our meeting date in the month of July. We will hold uh, our meeting on Tuesday, July the 10th. Uh, that uh, meeting's special guest uh, will be Richmond uh, Mayor LeVar Stoney, and so I'm hoping that he is feeding us, uh, and I will make sure that his chief of staff, Lincoln Saunders, uh, understands the imperative uh, uh, of sharing uh, food to feed all the members of the 9th District who come out on that evening. For more information on meetings, city services, or upcoming events, 
Call my office at 804-646-2779. That is 646-2779. Yes, Ms. Trammell. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I think Michael forgot to mention my name with the um, the big tent. That's okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because I know we were going to have it in the 8th District, but there was no place to have it. So I suggested we have it in the ninth. But anyway, and I don't think the food's free. If it is, I'll make sure everybody in the 8th District knows. So please find out if the, if the food um, Friday and Saturday is going to be free. Um, I want everybody to know that our meeting is this Thursday, May the 17th, at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the satellite 4000 block of Jefferson Davis. Um, Chip Decker will be there. He's the CEO of the Richmond Amlamps Authority. Also, Laurie Markham will be there to talk about American tobacco. And Anthony McLean will be there. He's the deputy director of the city's um, fire and emergency services. Police officers from uh, our captain, um, Mike Snyder, will be there. He's always with us. And... Um, Chip Decker always comes and helps me with the children and with our seniors, and so does Mike. Our police officers um, do a great job in the city, especially in the 8th District, fighting the crime that we know that crime is escalating. And as I always say, I've learned it from um, Chief Durham and Chief Norwood, that if you don't have um, good, clean, safe neighborhoods, you're not going to have good schools. That's why um, we always try to make sure that we invest in our in, in public safety because um, we know that they're the backbone of the city. By keeping our streets safe and making more people move in, right now we have over 215,000 people that have moved into the city, and with more tax revenue coming in, I think that um, next year the schools will probably get hope a whole lot more. Got to make sure the mayor gives up the money because I know one thing. We gave up, I, I'll just say me, Several years, I've given up many projects to make sure that the schools, one was the Summer Hill School, which is now pre-K. It was closed up in 2012, opened back up under um, school board um, Derek Jones and also my colleagues Kim and Kristen. I want to thank them for all their hard work when they were on the school board and for all the hard work that they do now on city council because it takes a team to get stuff done. And I know everybody says they want to run. <laughs> Go ahead. You'll find out it's not as easy what you think it is, especially when you got the mayor at large. When we used to have the city manager and we used to have a mayor that sit up there, we all had the same thing with a city manager. City manager treat, had to treat all of us the same, where the mayor only has to have five votes and the other four can get kicked to the curb, unless we got the people on our side screaming and hollering, which, thank God, most of us do. Um, I want to say that I thank John Reinhardt for coming here today for, um, to give us a report on the Port of Richmond. There are a lot of great things going on. Um, he talked about um, jobs that's coming in that area, and also he talked about the, um, over 200 and some jobs coming in over there by the Philip Morris area. And it's a um, base, it's a company from California that's coming in to offer people jobs. And also the Allegheny Warehouse. They're also tearing all that down on 95 if you go over there, and they're going to bring in jobs for the, not just the 8th District, but for anybody that wants to apply for it and get hired. This right here, we've been given these sheets out. I've been to over six civic association meetings in the past week, passing out about job fairs that's going on. 
And I know that um, Michael in the Ninth District is having these job fairs over there at the Southside Community Center. He has the large area, and I appreciate all of that. And um, we know that Pepsi-Cola is hiring, and a lot of other companies are hiring. Um, also, I want to um, take this time to let everybody know that even if they were not a part of the budget on the third floor and the second floor, they kept our offices going, from Deborah Handy, Steve Taylor, Steve Skinner, um, Joyce Davis, all of them. They kept our offices going, helping all of us with, with our meetings and with other things. And I just want to thank them for all that they do and also for Candace's office for returning phone calls and helping the citizens of my district when they called asking about the meetings and it, could they speak, were they supposed to sign up because someone were, didn't know if they were supposed to sign up or they could just come down here and speak. So, again, I want to thank all of y'all and thank the city attorney's office um, for all their hard work that they've done too because it takes a team to do it and my colleagues who we've had a we've had – some discussions, some were not always great discussions in reference how we're going to give up different projects, how we knew we couldn't ask for a million dollars in our in our districts when we knew that we had to take the money and give it to other other things. And I know that many, many people are talking about our streets. Our, our streets are caving in, our potholes, um, cars are getting tore up. I went yesterday over there in Blackwell, or the president, um, Dana Allen in Blackwell, she stumbled in a car has hit right there on her street the, the potholes, which it's been paved. And I know that Bobby Vincent is working so hard in public works to help us get our streets clean and, and, and repaired, but it takes money. It, it takes money. Also, code enforcement. A lot of people tell me we need, we gave more money to code enforcement. And I've given so many people John Walsh's number for them to call him in reference to these abandoned properties where the grass is overgrown to the top of the roof. and. Also, some of them are, are owned by the banks, and the banks aren't calling people back. I know, for one, I've not gotten called back when I've turned it in. So it goes to John Welch for him to try to get them to um, take care of the properties. Um, this right here is your free smoke alarm. It's your free smoke alarm. It's the only thing free in the city right now. I'm quite sure of that. If you would call 646-1526, firefighters will come to your house to install these smoke alarms free. They don't cost you a dime. Um, and if you can't get anybody, you can go to the nearest fire station, ask them to please come to your home and check your smoke alarm, check the batteries, make sure they're working. And if you need an extra one, they'll put it up. We hope that the President of the United States, Donald Trump, would keep giving our firefighters this, the grant money so that they can keep installing the smoke alarms because we know that these smoke alarms will save your life. Also, I want to take this time to thank the sheriff, Sheriff Irvington, for all of her hard work. I know she's been... Um, reaching out to all of us, saying that if we need um, the weekenders to come out, she's going to be scheduling some cleanups in our areas for them to help us do some cleanups. And also I want to thank everybody that participated a few weeks ago with cleaning up not only the 8th District but the citywide Earth Day. Um, tons and tons of trash was picked up all over. Um, and, our, and if you didn't get out there in the main area, many people got, in, got out there in their neighborhoods and they were cleaning things up. Even over there at the Summer Hill Pre-K, they were over there cleaning up underneath the bleachers and all of that. So thank you. And if anybody has any questions, you can call my home at 233-7382 or my personal cell, 240-5050. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, 
Next here, Ms. Gray. Okay, um, just wanted to announce a few meetings going on in the second district. On Tuesday, May 15th, the Historic Jackson Ward Association will be holding its regular bi-monthly meeting from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Unos Jackson Center located at 501 North 2nd Street. On Saturday, May 19th, the Rosedale Civic Association will be holding a yard sale from 8 a.m. to 12 noon at 1704 West Laburnum Avenue. On Monday, May 21st, the West Grace Street Association Board of Directors will be holding its regular monthly meeting from 6 to 7 p.m. at Orchard House School, located at 500 North Allen Avenue. On Tuesday, May 22nd, the Robinson Street Association will be holding its annual membership meeting from 5 to 6.30 p.m. at the Retreat Hospital Boardroom, located at 2620 Grove Avenue. Also, on Tuesday, May 22nd, the Sherwood Park Civic Association will be holding its quarterly membership meeting from 7 to 8 p.m. at the Waldorf School, located at 1301 Robin Hood Road. And also, Tuesday, May 22nd, the Carver Area Civic Improvement League will be holding its regular monthly meeting from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at 1300 West Marshall Street. Um, I also wanted to um, offer my... um, sincere gratitude to all of the staff on the city's administration side and um, a city council staff for um, working so hard on getting us through this budget process in an efficient and fair way. Um, I also want to thank my colleagues for supporting um, green space within um, the the district and um, funding park projects that are much overdue and needed. Um, the city attorneys as well for their support and um, opining on uh, decisions that we are um, making on um, our budget and other pertinent things that are related to that budget process. So thank you all. Um, I also would like to offer up that I did receive a call today from David Green, the CEO of GRTC, um, with respect to a bus stop issue outside the William Byrd Senior Homes, and um, he assured me that GRTC is working to resolve that issue um, since all but four or five residents within the William Byrd signed a petition requesting to have the bus stop removed, and overall there are about 1,200 signatures from residents in that um, immediate area and surrounding that um, frequent those um, businesses and um, live in the area. So um, I'm very reassured by him that they are working to find resolution and to um, redirect the bus route to where there is higher density and less disruption of um, residents who are sleeping. Um, There is a paper um, on the docket for introduction tonight. Uh, That paper would require a 60-day review, so I'm hopeful that once GRTC presents to their board that um, the bus stop change will go through. I will um, pull the paper from the docket and make sure that we are working towards a a common solution and uh, really doing what's best for the citizens throughout the area. So I really am appreciative of the phone call he gave me today. Thanks.
Yes, Ms. Robertson. Thank you, Mr. President. A couple of meetings. I'd like to make an announcement in regards to the 6th District, but I also uh, want to uh, reiterate the recognition that was given earlier during the awards section of our meeting, uh, recognizing uh, citizens uh, older, older citizens, and they get the, try to get that right, um, and recognizing the fact that they make up 25% of the city's population, and they are also one of the fastest growing uh, population, uh, and so we want to thank them for their services and in recognition of the importance of uh, that huge segment of our community, uh, we will be having a special meeting for the Green Park community that we are hoping to actually do a designation uh, in the city of Richmond as a nat natural occurring aging in place community uh, of the Green Park community. That meeting is being held on Thursday, May the 17th at 11 o'clock at the Hoshkiss Community Center, 701 East Brooklyn Park Boulevard. You may contact Yvette Jones at 804-646-3054 for additional information, or you may also contact my office at 646-7964. Uh, we want the residents of Green Park to come out and share their vision and ways that we can be effective in making sure that our citizens that are aging uh, can do so gracefully and maintain their uh, existence in our communities um, with some level of comfort as a safe place for them to live. Also in recognition of uh, our older residents. Uh, we are having Aging for Life course entitled Your Blue Zone, uh, Aging, Elderhood, and Blue Zones on Wednesday, May the 23rd, uh, from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock at the Bellmead Community Center. This is open to any, any uh, seniors, older residents that would like to attend the meeting. Uh, it's not limited to 6th District, but it is being held in the 6th District at the Bellmead Community Center. Again, if you need information and would like to register for that program, please call Yvette Jones at 646-3054. Also, we are having uh, a... And most of us got a pamphlet this afternoon in regards to the lead-based paint and that the city has received um, uh, some funding to support uh, families that may ne have need for addressing lead-based paint and understanding the hazards that are associated with that. There will be a meeting on lead-based paint hazards control program at Hoshkiss Field on May the 15th. That's a Tuesday from 4.30 to 7.30 on Brooklyn Park Boulevard. And this is a very, very important meeting for uh, citizens to attend. Here again, it's being held at the 6th District, but I would encourage anyone who's interested in attending to attend uh, the damage that lead paint can do 
uh, to our residents and especially to our children is extremely important, and we want to avoid that to the greatest extent possible. Uh, for additional information on that, please call area code 804 3727 for additional information on the lead-based paint hazard control program. Uh, and make sure to attend the meeting on May the 15th at Hoshkisville, starting at 4.30 in the afternoon. I'd also like to mention that Parks and Rec is, uh, like as we would mentioned earlier, as it relates to extended services, as several of our park and rec uh, centers, it's important that we keep our children in a learning active mode uh, during the summer. Uh, so I would encourage all of the residents to contact your local park and rec centers to learn more about the activities that are planned for the summer and get our children enrolled in the summer camps and other services that are available through our park and rec centers. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. And I think that will do it, oh, Mr. Okay. President. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Argelasto. Thank you, Council President. Um, <clears throat> couple of upcoming meetings to also announce in the 5th District. Uh, most notably, the Maymont Civic League is going to host their last meeting before they break for the summer on Monday, May the 21st at 7 p.m. at the Stone Barn uh, located within the Maymont um, Historical Park area. Also, the Maymont neighborhood will be hosting our, our monthly 5th District cleanup over at Maymont this Saturday, May the 19th. And that will be from 9 a.m. until 11 a.m., slightly different hours, but 9 to 11. And they're going to be meeting um, at the new uh, Riverview Community Park, which is the old skate park that has been renamed and is uh, currently under construction. That's over at uh, 1907 Texas Avenue. And after we finish the cleanup, they're going to have a community get-together there at Riverview Community Park. Also on Saturday, uh, we'll be hosting the same 5th District cleanup over in the Bird Park neighborhood, uh, and that's going to be from 9 until noon. And they're going to be meeting up at the Davis and Lakeview area uh, outside of the Roundhouse in Bird Park. And I'll be uh, working with the residents, and Amy Robbins will be there for our monthly cleanup. Please um, plan to join us if you're able, and we will work with both neighborhoods uh, on different projects. The Oregon Hill Neighborhood Association is also going to be meeting on May the 22nd at 7 p.m. at 236 South Laurel Street. And I know that the Oregon Hill Neighborhood Association has really um, begun to meet and more residents turning out uh, than ever before, talking a lot about uh, development pressures, uh, such as the one debated by council tonight about parking pressures, again, um, working to complete restricted parking districts for residential areas in the Oregon Hill neighborhood. So um, please turn out to the neighborhood meeting because uh, there is actually a lot going on, and uh, hopefully we will have better success in protecting the neighborhood's interest um, at future council meetings than we did tonight. The Robinson Street Neighborhood Association is holding their annual meeting at Acacia Midtown, also on Tuesday, May the 22nd at 5.30 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, uh, May the 15th, the Norcroft Townhomes 
over off of Crutchfield Street, across from George with High School, is going to be hosting their third annual Senior Expo. And that's going to be uh, tomorrow, May 15th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And the address is 401 Norcroft Circle. And then lastly, um, I'd like to just remind people that as the weather gets nicer and you want to cool off and go down to the river, please be mindful of um, the fact that it is a major river. And when we have storms like tonight, uh, there are uh, flooding events. And to check the Westham gauge and be aware of the signage about when you should be in the river, when you need a life vest. Um, we've had a number of rescues having to occur. And while we celebrated um, Boat Safety Month, we also just want to be cognizant that to get in the river, you don't always need a boat, but you still have the same um, challenges and threats of drowning if you do not act responsibly. Um, and particularly in these um, conditions with the extreme heat, uh, take water with you when you go into the park system and just stay very hydrated. Um, at our cleanups this weekend, we will be providing ample water but as you're out there and enjoying the city, uh, please remain hydrated and be safe. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Agilesto. Vice President Newbill. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I would um, just uh, be remiss if I did not acknowledge uh, the Bon Secours Richmond Community Hospital um, unveiling of 21 murals at uh, the Sarah Garland Jones Center, 2600 Nine Mile Road. This was last Friday, and the murals are of the 21 doctors who, along with Sarah Garland Jones, are responsible for us having uh, the Richmond Community Hospital. And when I say responsible, not only did they commit their time, energy, and effort, but each of them committed their resources such that that hospital could continue to provide service in a community that uh, was and is in sore need of uh, having ongoing quality health care. And so, again, 21 African-American physicians, uh, many of whom are still living, uh, were at the event, and uh, we were all um, just elated to have the opportunity to uh, see them and or family members and just to be able to thank and appreciate them for their extraordinary contribution of their dollars, uh, their time, and their effort to ensure that this invaluable health resource uh, remains uh, in our community. So I just want to say thank you again to uh, the 21 physicians as well as uh, the Bon Secours Health System. Um, on uh, this week, we invite the community to join us Wednesday, May 16th for a police community walk with Lieutenant Killingsworth and the first precinct officers of Sector 113, along with community members. Uh, the uh, time and location we will assemble at the Creighton Court uh, Management Office at 2101 Creighton Road at 5 p.m. 
and we will go out uh, as a group and as a body to um, share information with the community, certainly receive input from them, um, and also to uh, work to build an even stronger uh, uh, neighborhood and and, uh, citizenry who are taking even greater responsibility for our communities, our children, our families, um, and being uh, involved and engaged in that. So again, Wednesday, May 16th, uh, 2101 Creighton Road, 5 p.m., please join us for our community walk. This year, um, we will host our third annual uh, RVA East End Music and Arts Festival, uh, May 25th and May 26th. We will kick off on the 25th uh, with the Richmond Symphony Brass Quintet, uh, Richmond Symphony Strings, and go through May 26th and end up with a variety of local uh, uh, performers from throughout the community. Uh, Our children will perform. As I said, this is the third annual festival, and over the last two years, we raised $175,000 to purchase musical instruments and art supplies for children throughout the schools and the East End, and we got the honor and privilege of hearing uh, them perform. So again, May 25th from 5 to 9, May 26th from 12 to 9, in um, uh, close proximity to the 17th Street Farmers Market uh, area where Enrichment Foundation typically holds their events and activities. Free admission, um, come out and uh, just uh, hear, see, and uh, consume the in- incredible talent that we have in our community, uh, certainly with our children and with our partners. And this, I I just do want to thank all of the uh, folks who've worked on this. The chair is Reverend um, Hextall this year of the um, event, and we've had uh, civic leaders, businesses, residents, uh, youth, um, symphony, other nonprofits and corporations, et cetera, who've been involved to make this a success. So May 25th and 26th, look forward to seeing you. Uh, our next district meeting will be held on Wednesday, May 30th at 6 o'clock p.m. at the Peter Paul Development Center located at 1708 North 22nd Street. And we really do ask you to come out to join us. We have some updates we really want to provide. Um, we uh, and the grocery store um, Uh, The new grocery store operator will be sharing the name that uh, the community's come up with for the grocery store. Uh, Jay Sargent Reynolds will be giving an update on the Culinary Institute. Our school board representative, uh, Ms. Burke, will give an update in terms of um, RPS and where we are. We have a status to report on the Farm Fresh grocery store and uh, what's happening with it. Really exciting news there. The next round of seed grants uh, will be, um, the process uh, will be discussed by um, LIS, Candace Street, and so we ask you to come out and get that information, as well as an update on the uh, Richmond 300 master plan and much more. So again, uh, Wednesday, May 30th, 6 p.m., Peter Paul Development Center. Please come out and join us for our 7th District Community Meeting uh, updates. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Vice President. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone to keep your dog on a leash. Uh, 
yesterday, uh, there was a, a dog owner who let their dog off the leash, encountered my dog. My dog was about a sixth the size of this dog. Uh, my dog barked, and this other dog attacked my dog and would have damaged her tremendously had I not been able to yank her away uh, because she weighs 13 pounds. You might think your dog is fine, but somebody else's dog might not be, and other dogs take that challenge. Please, please keep your dog on a leash. It's the law. Secondly, the uh, district meeting this time is a cookout. May the 24th at 6 o'clock at Fire Station Number 14 at the corner of Hawthorne Avenue and Brooklyn Park Boulevard. Brooklyn Park, excuse me, Hawthorne Avenue has two approaches from Brooklyn uh, Park Boulevard. Be sure that you're going down the one that's not in front of the fire station because it's a one-way street going the wrong way if you're heading down that way. So please go into the other side that's a two-way street and work your way around to the fire station or walk or bike to the event. It will be a cookout, and that's usually in just an once-a-year activity for uh, the 3rd District. So we want to welcome everyone and uh, show our appreciation to the firefighters at uh, Fire Station 14. Really uh, incredible people. Speaking on behalf of all of Council, I want to welcome our newest member to the TV audience, Quinn Foster Skinner, who was born this past Friday to Steve and Annette Skinner. Steve is our public information officer. So I'm going to ask that uh, Madam Clerk read the papers into the record. I would ask that uh, we keep the noise to a minimum so that this can be clear to the members of the audience on TV. Thank you. Madam Clerk. Yes, sir. The new legislation goes as follows. Council will hold a public hearing on the following legislation on Tuesday, May 29th at 6 p.m. An ordinance to amend ordinance number 2017-136 to modify the amount appropriated from $2.6 million to $1.9 million by eliminating the transfer of matching funds in the amount of $672,000. An ordinance to amend the fiscal year 2018 special fund budget by increasing estimated revenues from the dog and cat annual license program and appropriate the amount to the Office of Animal Care and Control's Pet License Collections Fund by 60000 to support expenditures pursuant to Virginia Code Section 3.2-6534. A resolution to approve an expenditure of $27.16 from council funds for the cost of ice and bottled water that was served to attendees of the 8th District Community Meeting held on April 19th. A resolution to approve an expenditure of 9606 from Council District Funds to reimburse $21.06 for gift bags given to children and $75 for Jerry C. Blow, who provided music and sound system services for the 8th District Community Meeting held on April 19th. A resolution to approve an expenditure of $350 from Council District Funds to pay Mark Fish Fry and Catering LLC for providing catering services at the 6th District Highland Park Spring Break event on May 12th. A resolution to approve an expenditure of $700 from Council District Funds 
for the 7th District to make a donation to the Richmond Police Athletic League to support its 2018 summer camp program at Swansboro Elementary School. A resolution to approve an expenditure of $3,149.49 from Council District funds to pay Printers Mark Inc. for the printing and mailing of the 4th District's summer 2018 newsletter. The following legislation will be heard at the Finance and Economic Development Standing Committee meeting on Thursday, May 17th at 5 p.m. An ordinance to approve the work plan and budget for the fiscal year ending June 30, 2019 for the provision of services in the downtown Richmond Special Service and Assessment Districts. An ordinance to amend the fiscal year 2018 general fund budget by reducing total appropriations by $3.7 million for transferring and appropriating the funds to various agencies and non-departmental programs. A resolution to establish a policy that Council will not vote to adopt any ordinance establishing or increasing any tax levied by the City until at least 30 days have elapsed since the introduction of such ordinance. The following legislation will be heard at the City Planning Commission Commission meeting on Monday, May 21st at 1.30 p.m. An ordinance to amend the fiscal year 2018 general fund budget by reappropriating $1 million portion of the fund balance access to the school capital maintenance project for abating lead in the water supply and other issues related to health and safety in public schools. The following legislation will be heard at the Land Use, Housing, and Transportation Standing Committee meeting on Tuesday, May 22nd at 1 p.m. An ordinance to name the basketball courts at the Pine Camp Cultural Arts and Community Center located at 4901 Old Brook Road as the Tom Foliard Basketball Courts at Pine Camp. An ordinance to amend Chapter 14, Article 5 of the City Code by adding a new Section 14-338 concerning notice of termination for the purpose of terminating construction general permits from the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality upon completion of construction projects requiring notice to developers for insufficient notice of completion of construction projects and conforming the section to the requirements of Virginia Code Section 62.1-44.15, colon 26.1. An ordinance to amend City Code Section 29189 concerning bus fares for the purpose of authorizing a one-week period of free fares following the commencement of operations of the new Richmond Transit Network Plan and Pulse Bus Rapid Transit System. The following legislation will be heard at the Governmental Operations Standing Committee meeting on Thursday, May 24th at 12 p.m. An ordinance to amend Section 21-5 of the City Code concerning the public inspection of certain records for the purpose of conforming the section to the requirements of Virginia Code Section 2.2-4343A12. A resolution to amend Resolution Number 2013-R186-180, which requested that the CAO cause all city departments and agencies to incorporate into their budget requests for FY15 goals and initiatives designed to support the Mayor's Anti-Poverty Commission for the purpose of making such requests applicable to fiscal year 20 and each fiscal year thereafter. A resolution to request the CAO to prepare and submit to the Council a report making recommendations for an appeals process for civil penalties imposed pursuant to City Code Section 11-105. The following legislation will be heard at the Education and Human Services Standing Committee meeting on Thursday, June 14th at 12 p.m. A resolution to request that the CAO conduct an annual review 
dedicated funding strategies for RPS and provide the council, the mayor, and the school board of Richmond with recommendations concerning the total budget appropriation for RPS for each fiscal year, funding sources for RPS, and any proposed changes to state legislation necessary to increase state funding to RPS. The following legislation will be heard at the Land Use, Housing, and Transportation Standing Committee meeting on Tuesday, July 17th at 1 p.m. An ordinance to reserve the easternmost southbound lane on the north side of North Belvedere Street's intersection with West Broad Street for vehicular traffic, making a left turn from southbound North Belvedere Street onto eastbound West Broad. An ordinance to amend City Code Section 29-184 for the purpose of prohibiting bus stops on North Davis Avenue. An ordinance to amend City Code Section 29-172 for the purpose of prohibiting certain operations of a motor bus system of passenger transportation in the block bounded by West Broad, North Robinson, and West Gray Streets and North Davis Avenue. Mr. President, that concludes all new legislation. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, there being no further business before this council, I declare this meeting adjourned. Well, the noise you heard was the big sigh of relief. The budget has been put to bed. We have an operating budget for the next fiscal year here in Richmond. Uh, Let's go through what happened tonight. Started just about on time with the call to order, uh, the invocation, the approval of uh, appointments and reappointments, then the awards and presentations, citizens' comment, uh, the agenda review. The consent agenda took all of uh, two minutes, basically, and it was approved by a 9 nothing vote. Then we got to um, items on the regular agenda, item number 20, Resolution 2017-R092, and the council will appoint a current retiree to the Board of Trustees of the Richmond Retirement Commission, and that one was approved 9 to nothing. took about uh, oh, a little over five minutes for that one. Then we got to um, item number 21, Resolution 2018-R034, and that's a Richmond... Uh, Zoning of properties. This is the one of the properties on uh, Cary Street from Belvedere to Cherry. Uh, we ended up having uh, four people speak against this paper. Eight people speak in favor of the paper. And after about eight minutes, it finally was not approved. Uh, the only three approving it were Council Members Jones, Agilesto, and uh, Trammell. And so that was defeated. And I say that took about seven minutes. And we had, uh, we got to a suspending of the rules. And that was so people that had come down to speak on uh, the residential requirements, even though there was no vote to be taken tonight. Uh, there were people that had come down specifically for that paper, and it wasn't decided until uh, the informal meeting that they were going to uh, continue that paper. Uh, we had uh, eight people speaking, saying, yes, they should be uh, residents of the city of Richmond uh, before they, uh, in order to work in the city. Uh, as I say, no vote was being taken. That paper has been continued until our next meeting. And by the way, don't forget, our next meeting is going to be on Tuesday, May 29th, which will be the day after Memorial Day. 
And let's see, we got to um, got the budget papers. Um, and here's the way that went. We had uh, three uh, three people speaking on Richmond Public Schools. Uh, one to speak on capital improvement projects. Uh, one uh, saying thank you for the 1% pay raise for employees. And uh, then let's see, we had um, well, one person wanted to speak again about... Um, the uh, residency requirement, but actually that particular paper was to bring a new uh, new job into the city that now have the position of attorney or uh, inspector general. Uh, they spoke for 50 minutes, and then the budget was approved by a nine nothing vote. So the budget is now been put to bed. Then we got the um, uh, amendments and. Um, Expedited consideration, papers, the approval of minutes, reports from council, introduction of papers. And now it's done. The budget is over, so we're back to uh, regular uh, meetings. The council will no longer have to be here for marathon sessions. Uh, and uh, I know it was a lot of hard work. I'd come in here in the afternoon of a meeting, and they would have already been here for uh, four or five or more hours. Uh, listening to presentations, etc. So um, we uh, thank the council for their hard work, uh, and uh, now they can look forward to back to doing just regular council stuff until next year at this time. So uh, not a short meeting, but not a long meeting, three and a half hours roughly, and we will look forward to seeing you again. Don't forget, it'll be Tuesday, the 29th of May, the day after Memorial Day, We'll be back again with you here on WCVW-TV. Till then, for Gavel to Gavel, I'm Dick Harmon saying good night.